Welcome to another edition of Mass, Mats, and Mayhem. I am your host, Justin Harvey. You can find me on Twitter at JustinHarvey75, or you can email us at mmmshow75 at gmail.com. These are my co-hosts. I'm going to give them both credit for being co-hosts this week, since everyone showed up for work last week. Woo, we yeah. got the Lucha Gringo, Casey Nielsen, right over here at so, Lucha Gringo. At Lucha Gringo. And what's the... I almost, shit, he wasn't here that week, and I kind of forgot. His name is Byron. His name is Mark Turk. Yes. Byron, uh, at Byron Fever on Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat. Byron Saxton on Twitter. No. No, that messes with me, though, when everyone talks trash about Byron Saxton whenever I watch WWE. I like uh, how we can get drops, we can get drops of JBL saying, shut up, Byron, shut on all up, the pay-per-views. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't watch WWE because of that now. That's horrifying. Um... I'm going to jump right into it because we we might lose, just so you guys know, we might lose Casey a little early today. Yay. Don't cry. Don't be upset. I know he's your favorite out of the three of us, but you'll live. You'll I get over it. I have a business meeting to attend. So we're going to give you, we're going to give you some, some prime Casey action before he leaves, and we're going to talk about a fuckload of stuff today. And guess what? I can now officially say fuckload on this podcast because we said fuck so many times last week that we are now marked explicit on iTunes and SoundCloud. So did did we say it? Welcome to the fuck show. Fuck yeah, you're welcome. Did we say that, Justin? We we said fuck a couple hundred times last week, I think. But, but, I even draw I was even I was yeah. even a little worse than normal. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm normally very good with my expletives and I try not to curse too much just because uh, I like to stay employed. Right. Um but since I'm looking for a job right now, fuck it. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, hire me, Lucha Underground. So here we go. We're going to talk right now about the hands-down most important thing this week. No, it's not as if is the UFC for sale. It's not as Conor McGregor fighting Floyd May- Mayweather. It's not EC3 cutting promos and Evolve. It's not whatever happened on WWE, because that really wasn't important. Mm-hmm. What we're going to talk about first before we even get into the episode review, who the hell is Lord Big Boss on Lucha fucking Underground? Who is this fucking guy? I want to know. I yeah, want to know. Me too. We all have theories. Yeah. There's a lot of theories floating around out there. Now, before we get into this conversation, I will say that I am approaching this from a no-spoilery standpoint. We know of some people that it could possibly be that have already been in Lucha from tapings, but... I don't want to go too far down that road because I honestly, I don't know if that's even the case. I think this could be a completely backstage yeah. uh, thing that that even the Lucha Underground higher-ups have kept away from the fans in the temple. It might not mm-hmm. be. It could be a wrestler that we've seen come to the temple, but I'm I'm hoping, and I said it last week on this show, I, I, I threw out the Arnold thing too. I know J-Man threw it out. We kind of did it simultaneously. Yeah. Um, there's There's... Reasons to believe that with Melissa Santos being on Celebrity Apprentice and, you know, the involvement of the production companies Ooh. along with that show, that it could possibly be Arnold. And he likes cigars. But Remember at that. the same time, so, even, even for the big bosses of Lucha Underground as a TV show, Arnold is still a pretty big get. And I'm sure they paid him a ton of money to be on Celebrity Apprentice that is probably not afforded to them in the Lucha Underground budget. So... Just because there might be some inside connections that J-Man and I both think might get that done, who the fuck knows? That's a big get. But yeah. having, having him in, in the room for the Apprentice show, for the other show, 
it's a lot easier to get him to slip on over to the temple for an afternoon. I'd just I'd say you just run in there with cameras and start filming him and say, uh, hey, Arnold, you're going to be <laughs> Lord Big Boss on uh, Lucha Underground. I mean, look, here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the clues, okay? The cigar. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought it might be Hornswoggle at first, but the hand holding the cigar was not quite the right size. And the gloves. And, right, but there's gloves. Like Terminator mm-hmm. gloves, like leather gloves. Maybe? Nah. Well, which is good because you can't determine skin color, so we can take race out of this altogether. This really could be anyone, folks. Most likely a man. It looked like man hands. Yeah, and plus, this could have just been a stand-in and not the person it ends up being. Well, well, it would be a stand-in for the shot, but... Well, depending. Never know. You never know. I mean, maybe you want to get Lorenzo Lamas up there with another big star just to have them vibe, and maybe they shot more than one segment at once while they were both available. If they shot all the stuff on the day. Which would make sense. You guys are going to be so mad when it's Big Rick. I really think... <laughs> well, no. he's dead, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything in Lucha Underground, does it? No, no, they could do like some swirly cloud effects and have his skull pop off the chair or whatever. Uh, but I think it could be Face from A-Team. Be- ben- What's that guy's Dirk name? Benedict. Ben- Dirk Benedict. Yeah, but not like the Brad Cooper one, the older one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dirk no, Benedict. Yeah. The original Dirk yeah, Benedict. Yeah. yeah. I, yes. I, I, Just I would hire sure. him. I'd hire anyone from the A-team, except for George Papart, because he's dead. It'd be great if they brought Mr. T on just to talk about his mother. Okay, but but here, here's why it wouldn't be Face, because he wasn't the one that smoked the cigars. That was George That was Papard. Hannibal. Hannibal. Yeah. And he's dead. Yeah, George Rappard is no longer Wait, hold with on, us. Hold that was on. my favorite Halloween costume in college, by the way. I would just put on a leather jacket, oh, smoke no. a cigar, and say I was Hannibal from the A-Team. Yeah, love I, it when a plan comes together. Oh, I love it when a plan comes together. I had the visual of Hannibal in my head, but I was thinking of the name actually Mask at first. And so then I had to like Wikipedia, like who was that guy on A-Team? And then it was Face. I'm like, okay, glad I didn't send this tweet too soon. But apparently I've been making the bad, <laughs> the wrong A-team joke for like half a week already. This is amazing, people. You heard it here first. Byron has been making the wrong A-team joke publicly for over a week. And that's why we keep him on this show, guys. You got me. I'm just a fun, loving host. You got Casey. He knows a shit ton about wrestling. And then you got Byron, who is the only person on the planet that could do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's on Netflix, dude. Maybe we should like throw in an episode of A Team review each week. Are you uh, not I'd entertained, people? Are you not entertained? This is real <laughs> gladiator warfare right here. I used to watch the show when I was a kid. They would jump over the camera for explosions, which is great. So, let's look at who it could possibly be. Mm. Is Flamita an option? I mean, we we talked about it on our show a few weeks ago, and actually, a lot of it's very funny. A lot of people commented that they did not know that Flamita history and story. I guess we have a lot of huh. more uh, North Amer- or American fans that don't necessarily follow AAA, and that and even if they do watch AAA, they may not know backstage drama or whatever. So bunch a lot of fucking weros. A lot of people were very uh, intrigued by that information <laughs> and that whole rundown of that story. But now that Flamita slash non Octagon Junior is potentially available is there any possibility because that just happened and this stuff has been filmed and planned probably for a while Mm -hmm. is there any possibility it's flamita i don't know but i have a couple like the way that lorenzo lamas was looking at him right flamita is also pretty young to be a lord yeah somebody's my lord but he could be some reincarnated supernatural angel creature they said Here's the thing I thought that was interesting of what Lorenzo Lamas, our councilman Dagato, said in the first segment. He said, after his dissension, 
dissension, not ascension. So he's not coming up from hell necessarily. Mm-hmm. He said after his dissension, he's coming to the temple. I don't know what that means, but I mean, like, I would think that that's a carefully scripted line. You know, Lorenzo's a great actor. He's mm-hmm. not going to shoot and make stuff up in his promo work. He's going to read the lines. And if somebody wrote that, that means that this character is coming down from somewhere. It's one of the gods. Coming down from on high. Yeah, maybe this yeah. is an Aztec god or something. And maybe it's a character we haven't seen. The problem I find with that is, of course, that having been to some tapings and everything, I, I can't think of a character that would be that. No, that's what's weird. Like, we, we aren't acting like we don't know and that we're not, like, working you here. Like, we have no fucking idea who this is. Yeah. <laughs> so Which is cool. I mean, that's the best way to keep a huge part of the show spoiler-free is to have is to not even, like, shoot it until, like, a few weeks or whatever, a month before air date. You yeah. Know? And that, I mean, and, and, and people have talked about a couple of wrestlers that have debuted that it could be. Mm-hmm. Um I will personally say without saying who that those wrestlers are um, that I don't feel like their storylines and where they went would really lead to them really being that character unless those characters also had a ton of backstage stuff that we're not seeing. So even if it is one of the wrestlers that debuted, there's a ton of backstage segments to bolster this whole storyline that I don't think anyone has seen. So you can predict away that it's one of those wrestlers all day long just because they premiered. But I don't think that the the feuds that those wrestlers have been in really make sense for this storyline. That's wow. the reason why I'm di- I'm kind of dismissing the one major theory that's out there from people who have been at tapings. I think And that, you guys know you guys know what that theory is. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's what's happening. Um also I do want to say that I think that it's someone that either wears a mask or has a fucked up face because uh, Renegade was not looking at him and seemed very uncomfortable to do so. Interesting. That's possible. It's my theory. Or it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Or I mean, he just didn't want to. Um, he didn't want to look his boss in the eye. Now, if it is Schwarzenegger too, the thing I find interesting about that is he says he's going to come down to the temple. But no one has seen Schwarzenegger at the temple, and that's not a spoiler, folks. There has been no Arnold sighting at the right. actual temple. Because I would lose my shit and yeah. beg everyone on now, the show. Now that doesn't to let mean me they couldn't film know. something off on the side or whatever, yeah. but if they want it to be in front of the crowd and everyone there, and that would be really hard to keep out of spoilers. So yeah. maybe it would be down at the temple in Dario's office or standing at the urinal in the bathroom, because that seems to happen from time to time on this show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, in the bathroom? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it'd be interesting if they waited until this show aired to shoot anything in the temple with a crowd, and then they shoot. So like, you think we could uh, get something this next taping, or maybe I'm, one of the next couple tapings? I I, I don't I don't think so. That's but an interesting it, idea. But, but it'd be a way to try and protect like the biggest secret of Lucha Underground is to have Arnold off off uh, or on camera, but away from the crowd until it airs, and then you shoot all of your pickups this weekend for yeah. season two and also for you know whatever they would need of him for season three now i had i had heard some theories from some people that it could be vampiro i don't buy that being that he was the maestro the last year yeah it's like how many personalities are you gonna give him yeah and that's just oh, a, he's super busy he, and and he doesn't seem like an overlord type his character's mm-hmm. never been that it doesn't really seem like it would fit to me uh, i had also heard what if it's pentagon jr I, I do think that they need to get Pentagon back into this title picture after 
you know, his rehabilitation from the <laughs> hover round with Vampiro, the candle wax rehabilitation. He's still on the ground. So he might be still on the ground. What's Spanish for, for my back hurts? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever Vampiro's saying right now to him. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think it's very interesting. We shall see if any of these theories pan out. Um, but again, I am going to go against the trend of, of saying it's that certain someone that has debuted in Lucha Underground already. I'm against that. I don't think that that's the case. And I don't think it's someone that got fired for posting spoilers. Oh. Because yeah. I think they would have scrapped the whole thing if that was the case. So, Or maybe that was originally the case and then they had to reset it. Maybe. Who oh, knows? that's super interesting. Now, the other one, the other theory that I'm going to float to you guys right now, and then, uh, hate this theory because if this is true me and edub and dj and roach we're gonna have to talk because <laughs> i'll be very i'll i'll be hurt to, to my parts what if it's divari uh, i don't know he wasn't drinking a cup full of piss so i don't i don't think it <laughs> has was he ever true. been known to smoke cigars in his rich kid gimmick no he just drinks no yeah i mean like and and honestly to me marty the moth right now is such a better version of the 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 yeah. trust fund kid gimmick than Davari ever was, but Davari was okay, but he everything he was doing was just okay. Whereas most everyone else that you're paying attention to on Lucha, even if they're at the okay level, they're on a trajectory upward. Right. Like Marty mm-hmm. started off as whatever, but he's gonna end up just destroying people's minds. Even more than he already has. Yeah, I mean, dude, the kid works hard. He bumps like crazy. He sells amazing. Like, you know, some guys will take a great bump, but then they're so busy taking the bump, they they barely remember how to sell the bump. Mm -hmm. Marty will simultaneously just take a sick, stupid bump that, like, people just shouldn't do. Like, kids, don't try what Marty does at home. It's just not good for you. But then he, the way he sells and the expressions, and then he's always reconnecting with the other talent in the ring. He always he he always knows where they are. Like his his ring awareness and and Matt generalship or whatever mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Like he is really really on a game at this point. And I'm you know I'm getting off on attention on Marty, but every time somebody talks about him, I feel inspired to say something yeah, great yeah. about Marty because he's been entertaining the hell out of me every time I see him on TV. Every time we see him live. It's going to be hard to boo him because you can see the effort he's putting into it. I will boo the shit out of him just because he works so hard to earn those damn boos. Yeah, like Jack. Yeah, Jack. Yeah, we yeah. love Jack, but we'll boo his and ass. Johnny, all I'll day. give Johnny Mundo that credit too. Yeah. I still have a little trouble booing Taya. I can't. I have so does trouble everyone. bringing myself to boo Taya ever. I don't care if she's working a heel <laughs> angle. It's just, it's hard for me. Yeah. I want to give a quick shout out to Melissa for always keeping a straight face when Marty's around her. Uh, that has to be one of the hardest things. Yeah, how did uh, she do that? Oh, man. <laughs> and uh, I want to give a shout out to Marty's parents who got a nice chant at the last tapings. Yeah, oh, that's, that was so cool that they came out. Huh? Yeah. And I want to give a shout out to my homeboys at Tommy Boy Records. Release the hounds. <laughs> I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Matt Stryker, who you guys won't ever see this on TV. But in a, during a dark match, he kind of played the, the Melissa Santos role. And Marty did the same gimmick to Stryker, which was, was tremendous. You think it's creepy when it's Melissa? Yeah. You could imagine yourself doing the same thing if it's Melissa. You can't imagine yourself doing the same thing if it's Matt Stryker. So well, I, I just like big props to Matt for uh, 
taking that that the creepy bump. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Um. All right. So I think we've kind of talked that to the bone. But that that that's a couple of segments from this show. I mean, you got your opening segment, which yeah. Well, that was the show. It's a, it was that was like the the TV show portion of it, which was huge. Oh, well, you forgot oh, Cuerno. Oh, very important. See, that's what was cool about this week is it was like a mix between having enough matches to consider it still a wrestling show yeah. and have the backstage segment. So Cuerno is hunting down Mil Muertes. Which is so awesome. So and, Katrina. Awesome. and Katrina. And they set that angle up, you know, backstage when, when Cuerno actually like full on cut a promo on Katrina. Was that last week or two weeks ago? Whatever. Yeah. Something but like, like you know, it's, and again, this is some stuff that we've never seen now. And I'm going to forward, fast forward quickly to the end of Grave Consequences. The big thing at the end of the match is Cuerno being one of the pallbearers and taking off the hood. Yeah. Which we Did didn't anybody see. in the crowd even see that? That's amazing that they have this big finale no. spot and this reveal. And they yeah. didn't even show the audience, even though they filmed it four feet away from the crowd. That they was amazing it to live. me. We yeah, thought it was, big deal. Yeah, we thought it was Sinestro because it would make sense. Right. Because, you know, Sinestro's the last disciple that's left and he would have carried him out. So, so all the yeah. crowd saw people was just the back of somebody lifting a hood off their head and you see the back of a mask. You probably couldn't, maybe a few people could have told it was Cuerno if they were looking, but there was still stuff happening kind of ringside behind them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just thought that that was, that was kind of cool and creepy and weird. And, and, you know, Cuerno stalking them in the, the, in their layer as well. Big um, reveal there too. Well, uh, we'll get yeah. to that in a second. Yeah. Cause I want to, I want to go back to the very first, uh, Dario and Renegade segment, as I call it. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a, their new tag team, Dario and Renegade. Um, Dario hands him the fat stack. We don't find out how much until the end, but he is paying money to this guy. Which makes sense. $50,000. Does it make sense? He's running an underground fighting, right? Whatever company business, right? It kind of when when you try to place that in a real world, it makes sense that that it's integrated into the real world like that. Like it's oh, and I agree, and I, I said there should be some gambling angles and stuff yeah, to this too, yeah. like to keep it seedy. Like why why the hell else would you open underground fighting? Let's be honest, people, you don't open underground fighting. Like shit, even Bodog when they had MMA, <laughs> they did it offshores because their whole thing was gambling and betting. I mean, they were trying mm. to do it a little more in the up and up, but they were basically taking the principle of underground fighting and trying to make it legit for the purpose of gambling. That's where Bodog was making their money, people. It wasn't on the fucking gate or the pay per views <laughs> from Chael Sonnen's third fight, you know, back in whatever, <laughs> back in the day. So I, I think that. Yeah, I mean, I guess the money makes sense. And now I think it makes even more sense after the bomb that Delgado drops on him about the fact that there's cops. He's been infiltrated. Dario has not known this information until now. And this is the scene where Dario has now gotten a real clue from somebody he supposedly should trust. I mean, this guy's a councilman. That's the whole reason you have a councilman in your pocket is to have juice with the city. Yeah. He's got the inside info. But he doesn't give up who they are. Does Delgado not know who the undercovers are? He's only dealt with, with Captain yeah. Hotness. Is that correct? So far that we've seen, yeah. But if I'm paying someone 50 grand, they better open up some fucking files and tell me who the cops are. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's crazy how many people in the show, how many people are affected 
by even that one scene. You have you have that three way match. Everyone there is affected. You have um, you have uh, Dario Matanza. You have um, I don't know. Just so many people. Well, Dragon Dragon Azteca, which brings in Ray, which brings also now Puma because they're a team. It's just they're shooting these backstage or vignettes or that's an outdated term. They're shooting these scenes. Yeah, I mean, I I say vignettes because I don't know necessarily what else to call them sometimes. But so, but. I mean, yeah, they're they're scenes, they're cinemas, they're like cinemas in old video games. Where right, like, it's a cinematic. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a cinematic. It's like dude. a cutscene or something, but they're not exclusive from the in-ring action. Right, it involves almost the whole roster, and especially everyone you're going to see fighting on that episode. Right, and I'm just I'm just so surprised, and honestly, I will say that they did not do that good a job with these in the first season they were cool but it was kind of like oh let's shoot something cinematic with some guys brawling backstage just so we can shoot it differently the spinny thing with patron and johnny mundo yeah they should fall out of your chair it's just i mean some of it was funny and entertaining and it still made the show more fun to watch than other shows but at the same time it was not what they're doing with storytelling now you know this is masterful storytelling and interweaving of stories and then you have to take into consideration these poor writers have to write this stuff not knowing if wrestlers Mm. are gonna go oh. to some other league or if somebody's going to get hurt or like you have so many other factors. This is not just writing an hour drama where you know who your cast is going to be for three seasons in a row. Yeah. You got to watch out yeah. for those LBIs. They ruin your whole, Oh, uh, that cracked me oh. up. Lower body injuries. Really? <laughs> LBIs. Is that really a thing? Or is death box a thing? I guess not. I love, I love <laughs> that. Put him in the death box. It's like, um, whoa, okay, necrophiliac. So, I mean, I guess that that first segment, that's all that comes out of it. And I'm going to go into quickly the, since we're talking about Councilman Delgado a little bit, the cops and robbers three ways, I like to call it. it yeah. Super quick match. Um, and I'm going to say, and this is hard for me to say, people, but I think this was probably the worst match in the last five episodes. Well, it was thirty seconds long. It so. was kind of a non-match. Well, exactly, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that this is a bad thing because I also like straightforward matches sometimes, and I think that this can set up some other backstage drama. And it's honestly amazing to me. And I won't even say this is a bad match at all. It's just probably the most straightforward, regular, quick match that they've had. Even though they had a bunch of squashes, I think those squashes last week were more impactful in ways than right. this particular mm-hmm. match. But I feel like there's more coming for this storyline anyway. Yeah, have we seen Cisco in prison yet? I don't think we have. They showed it as like a preview image when they yeah. were showing the montage of what's coming up this season. You see him getting questioned in an orange jumpsuit. Oh, really? We haven't seen yeah. that shit yet. And so. I think all that stuff's coming, but it's like, yeah. So I still like this match, but it was pretty much the most straight forward it was a simple not clean finish yeah joey stole well, the quick clean finish but i mean i like the quick roll up this little schoolboy with the trunks pull yeah you know this I mean, old school right here guys and he's not even he's not even there as like a real fighter too like that's another thing to look into like he rolled up his partner which is a lot different than him putting his finish on his on his partner and pinning him you know right like he's just trying to get in and out and and poor Mr. Cisco just seems like he's just oh, along for the guy. ride here, huh? Yeah. Poor guy. It's great though to see the crew as faces and they get to hit a lot more um high spot or a lot more um 
action-packed, more exciting offense? Well, I think Cisco's over. I mean, I don't know if yeah. as a character he's over, but as a wrestler, you know, as a luchador, he's certainly over in in the crowd. Like, well, in the temple, everybody yeah. knows. Like, yeah, I Cisco think, has proven his worth. I think this was the match that was on his birthday, and we were chanting happy birthday the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why they shortened it. They had to cut out all the Maybe, yeah. because even Joey's like, oh, it's his birthday, and starts beating the shit out of him. I think that was this week. Um, but it was a good match. And then at the end... Uh, to see Joey what he did with that medallion I hope that pouch is made out of penicillin (laughs) yeah putting putting your medallion with your other jewels is not something somebody's gonna have to wear that on their fucking belt that's gonna whoever wins the gift of the gods let's hope it's Joey Ryan because it's infected now alright so here's the here's the Casey test folks here's the Casey test who has medallions go all right, so we got Tejano. Tejano. We got Aerostar. We have Chavo, who stole one. What, which is Cage's. Yeah, which but is Cage's. But that counts for one. It's, it's Chavo's. Cage slash Chavo. Yeah, we've got, got Joey Ryan now. We've got Sinestro. Sinestro del Muerte. Yeah. Uh, 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 sexy Star. Yeah. And uh, we we still have no, one. That, this we? was seven. No. That's Last six. Week we said six. Okay, this week so the seventh was does, one. does Johnny Mundo have one? Or the Moth or Mariposa? Mariposa lost. Yeah, did the Moth win one? No, Willie Mack. Willie, Willie Mack, Mack beat has the Moth. The other one. Yeah, okay. Willie so Mack. that's seven. There it is. That's seven right there. Yeah. Return of Don't the ask Mack. me to recap because I'll forget Return it again. Return of the Mack. You know, what's, right. you know what's funny? Uh, the. So, the temple, the, the believers there, all the fans, they have pretty good rhythm. But I was watching. No, they don't. It's okay rhythm. No, no, no. I, 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 I personally look. <laughs> being one of the few brothers that comes to the temple. <laughs> listen up, Lucha Click, because we got to talk. The rhythm is terrible at the temple. First of all, the slow clap. The slow clap is supposed to start slow and build up, people, so that you can build up to hyping up the the luchador for the big spot. A slow clap does not go. That fast. Come on. Slow down the slow clap, people. Let's slow it down. And then, can we get some fucking rhythm on this return of the Mac thing? That's a brother in there. You can't inspire him with bad rhythm. That shit is not going to happen. It's return of the Mac. Clap, clap. Return of the Mac. Clap, clap. Get on the beat. People keep rushing that shit. And it's so, so, so white. It kills me. It kills my part. Kills my parts. And this goes out to my Latino brothers in the in the house, too. I know y'all got rhythm. I know it. I know it. I know it. It is not just the Lucha Gringo's fault, people. Uh, sorry. He might be one of the whitest dudes in the temple, but y'all are just reinforcing it. Get him on rhythm. Get him on beat. Don't let him take you down that rabbit Help hole. Help me. Help me. Damn it. Yeah, have you Let's see, get it together, BCO. people. Let's get this rhythm together in the you temple. You saw me dancing at the beginning of the episode this week. You don't, you don't want none of that shit. Come on. Oh, my God. BCO. That dance was hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, if you see a Reto uh, having trouble knowing when to clap, just help him out. Please. Please and do. If if you don't know when to clap, just look for Justin or someone who looks like Justin in your section. Look, if you look clap. at me, by the time you look at me, I'm already going to be frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be angry. I'm going to be standing there like, God damn, no rhythm, having ass temple, motherfucker. <laughs> anyway, um, 
So, my two favorite shows on TV right now both have like the hottest 200-year-old women <laughs> around. It's oh. it's kind of creeping me out. I feel a little bit like a perv. You got to type. You like, you know, like the Helen Mirren kind of gilf thing is one thing, like you know, there's certain grandmas that are hot, but like <laughs> Why, why all the hot chicks got to be 200 years old, man? And I'm talking about the, the, the red woman from Game of Thrones as one of them, obviously. Oh, uh, spoiler. What? Everyone knows she's 200 from episode two of this season I'm in of like Game season two right now. Well, that's not my fault. It, this Your information is two weeks problem, old. Sir. Look, you have to understand. There is a window on Spoileridge. Yeah. Like once it's aired aired that everyone else has seen like uh-huh. and they're getting really high numbers mm. that means millions of people have already seen this byron yeah okay the you red woman problem. is old yeah. you'll find out how and why later oh how do you know who that is that's good yeah then, then this won't it's not spoiling you. shit you okay. don't know who it is so yeah probably not gonna watch the it. red woman who gets naked no you're watching because she gets naked a lot and it's Ooh. really worth it and i'll be there it doesn't get creepy until you figure out later that she's like 200 years old and I'm gonna say the same thing about Katrina now. Oh my god, why you gotta be so? <laughs> She's old? not 200, dude. She's 197. Don't okay. add years to her age; she'll get that's, mad at you. That's rude. I mean, I give her the credit for rounding up. Like, girl, you lasted two centuries. You know, yeah. that's a long time. Now, I will say this: if Lucha Underground is still on the air three years from now. We have to have a ridiculous 200th birthday party for Katrina. Oh, so great. Like, you know, just coming in with the big old DJ, cake. you have to make that happen. Just, I don't care if it's kayfabe or what, like there has to be a 200th birthday party for Katrina because that shit would be hilarious. <laughs> oh, someone tries to buy her a cake and she just fucking murders them. That'd oh, be great. That would be great. I uh, mean. But that, that, uh, that scene with her and, with her and, um, is it Quirin? No. But okay, so but I'm gonna say this. No. She might even be older than 197 years because the way she said it, she said she's been a prisoner. She said she's so been a prisoner happened. for 197 years. That means years. she's been dead that long. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we don't know the story of how or why. I'm gonna assume probably one of the other rival Aztec tribes has done this to her in the, the distant, distant past. Mm. But I will just say that for a 200 year old woman. Her sense of fashion has really kept up with the times. <laughs> She's really good at picking out what to wear. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate it. Can I do a weird Casey conspiracy theory? Yeah, I go for go it. Like 15 minutes. The one to stop Katrina is Aerostar. Aerostar. So can go back in time and make it so that she doesn't get killed or her soul. Well, I mean, I think well, that I think he anyway. could release her and then she could have a face turn. Yeah, but see, then she might just like turn into dust or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's a risky it's a risky gamble. But. Go all like end of fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark and just melt <laughs> and shit. <laughs> Put it in the budget, guys. Come yeah. on. Um, it was pretty awesome though. Um all the information that came out right there. She's talking to Mill, hyping him up. But I mean you find out why she's licking people's faces. Um, well, and she says that that she says that Matanza is a god. Mm-hmm. And that licking his face, she can get his power. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what she implied. I mean, that's not verbatim what she said, but I mean, that's that's a yeah. pretty powerful tongue. Yeah. But we know, we <sighs> do know that he has a God inhabiting <laughs> yeah. his body right now. Yeah. But also it shows like it's, there's so much character motivation that they just kind of put out there without being too overt with it. And 
It, yeah, I mean, she said that like it was a throwaway line. I mean, she delivered it like yeah. we were supposed to know, but at the same time, it wasn't directly connected to the yeah. match because we went into the, the trios match after that. But it was like, that's big stuff. Yeah. You, you get why she's licking and kissing Phoenix all the time, too. The man of a thousand lives. Like, she's... Maybe that's she, how she got to be sold. Maybe she's been licking yeah. Phoenix for a thousand, a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why he's always smiling. She did say in that, that AMA that, that that was the tastiest one of all the luchadors. And so. he's always got that look like this bitch again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hashtag mask problems. Um, oh. So I'm going to go into graver consequences now. Yeah. I'll come back to this trios thing. Maybe we'll even talk about it when Casey's in here. Yeah. But. Graver consequences. Uh, we know Casey was there because oh. his reaction shot to uh, the the punch through the coffin oh. was the stuff of television legend where Casey's just like, ah, ah, oh, and yeah. his face starts doing these things that and, I've never seen on a human face before. Why I did very, your face do that? That's the most important question of grave consequences. You got to see the coolest thing that you've ever seen in your life at that point, and then it'll fucking happen. But I, I do love that how that close up you audibly hear me yell, holy shit. Yeah. And so I'm not always on TV, but when I do, I'm swearing on <laughs> basic cable, basically. Well, another thing to consider is Casey is probably one of the biggest Undertaker fans of all time. Yeah. And, uh, and Undertaker, his match was the casket match. And they were all kind of shitty, lame matches. And now, you know, to see an actual like really good one. Yeah, to see two really actually good ones after Phoenix Mill, too, you know? And yeah. I mean, that was my pick for the best match of season one. Okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rephrase some of what I said earlier, where I said that, that the Cops and Robbers three-way was one of the worst things recently, even though it wasn't that bad. I think the processional at the beginning of this match was the worst thing that's been on Lucha Underground in, oh, really? in five I or six it. episodes. It's really? It's the mood, yeah. Man, these I guys are marks. Got, I can't even say the processional's bad. I wish they would have gotten no, more shots of the audience because we were all praying too. Okay. But they didn't really get any shots of well, that. Well, and, and I think, cool. okay, I, I'll say this. I think it really sets the tone. I don't know if this one translated to TV setting the tone very good. It wasn't as good as the first one. I just did. Yeah, I like I, so I, I tuned out like I was on Twitter. I was kind of maybe maybe I didn't throw myself into it enough. But then the, the second time I watched, it, I watched it late at night and I watched it in a dark room. So I felt like even that time it would be a little more moody and interesting to me. Yeah. But I was kind of bored by it. I'm not going to lie. I just was kind of like, hey, uh, OK, well, we'll move on. We'll move no, on. Yeah, He's outvoted, guys. I'm, a, I don't, I'm entitled to my shitty opinion. Two to one. Apparently. Good match. Um, <laughs> Great. So. Entrance. Spot wise, uh, spot wise, the first thing that really I was just like, holy shit, was Katrina throws this chair shot at Matanza. And we're not talking a steel chair. And and just so you know, I've talked to a few wrestlers and they always say like the wooden seating chairs are not the ones you ever want to hit someone with. Like the steel chairs actually are better to take a shot from. She comes full on with a regular ungagged wooden chair and breaks that shit over fucking Matanza. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was we, harsh. We sat in those chairs like they're once super or twice. fucking solid. Yeah, like you could, you know, like that, that just gotta hurt, man. Those are heavy ass chairs. Yeah. That yeah. was that was a, a crazy spot, and to see Katrina do it too, it's like we know Katrina can work, but doesn't really do that. I mean, it's, she's right. even said that's not really what she wants to do in Lucha Underground, you know. And even as a manager slash valet, whatever high priestess, 
she hasn't really gotten too physically involved other than like bashing somebody with a rock every now and then. Hmm. But she smacked the shit. And like, she looked like she had a serious good baseball swing too. Yeah. It, was, it was cool to me to just see her get physically involved like that. And I was definitely afraid after that because Matanza, not so happy about it. And he, he disapproved. Yeah, he was pretty much going to uh, slaughter her until the, yeah. the spear! <laughs> the spear into the wooden chairs was... Oh my fucking God. destructive. I mean, yeah. it just like thank God everyone had actually moved like yeah. you're supposed to. I I have mm. a hard time moving out of the way over there with the chairs being uh connected. So I kind of like sitting yeah. in the features more cuz you can just run for your fucking life if you Those have chairs to. Yeah. if you guys don't know are zip tied together, those <laughs> rows of chairs. So um when you have to get up, you have to basically file out of the aisle into the center section where they do a lot of the high spots or whatever. And it's like, once you're standing up and you're sitting in that section, you have no clue what's going to happen or if you're ever going to get your chair back. Uh, not that I would care. I'll stand for the whole thing. But a lot yeah. of those people look lost. And sometimes, yeah. you know, some of the more heavy set guests or handicapped guests will be sitting in those <laughs> sections. So they got to move. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. I, I just don't want people bleeding on my seat. That's... You don't want to sit in someone's blood. What was uh? What was That's some of the true. other spots that you guys liked in this match? I mean, there's oh, a the fucking, fucking the the thing with the three caskets together. Oh god. Uh, well, they started off like normally when you structure a match, there's different sections, and especially now that they're doing twenty minute main events, you know they ramp up. Right. And these guys started off exactly as as you would expect them to. They just start going to like the strong grapple moves, you know. Right. Well, and I was surprised too. So they set up the three coffins, and the first spot on the coffins was a power bomb. Yeah, and I thought yeah. that that was all we were gonna get. No, but it was like, and then later you get the apron spot down onto the three coffins with. Yeah. was it a flatliner there? Yeah. yeah. Flatliner. Oh my god, what the shit were those guys thinking when they fucking planned that match out? Like, oh yeah, this will be fun. Let's just bash each other with a flatliner into these three fucking coffins. Jesus. Oh. And see, when coffins dent, they get all kinds of fucking. Uh, I'm sorry, caskets. Caskets. caskets, death when boxes. Caskets. With death when boxes death boxes bend, bend <laughs> they get all kinds of sharp edges and shit on them. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, like a car door. I don't know the the etiquette of caskets for wrestling, or if you can you know gag them out or what. But the thing is, man, when these big guys hit these things, oh. they just bend and dent and crinkle and do bad things. They look. Super fucking solid, people. Yeah. I don't know if there's some wrestling magic out there for buying the right kind of coffin that doesn't kill people when they get slammed into it, but th this just does not look like fun for these guys no. to me. And having been in the coffin from the first Grave Consequences match, like actually. It's a fucking real coffin. It. It's a real coffin, and yeah. it's not gimmick. And they still keep that one backstage, too, right? That's yeah, like yeah, the, they show it off. That's like a shrine. That's not even a prop anymore. That's a shrine. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, man. They would have it out while you would wait in line so you could take a picture by it. Yeah, that's how I was inside of it. I didn't lose a Grave Consequences match. No spoilers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, that, I mean, here's the thing. Like, early in this match, three out of four coffins were already destroyed. So yeah, clearly, yeah. clearly Dario had a good idea having a four-coffin match because three one coffin was not going to make it through this fucking match. Um, I'm going to have another criticism. You guys are going to hate me today. Oh. Just hate me. Okay. Here's my thing. If you're going to do a blade job, we know the mask yeah. gets torn. You know a blade job's coming or some blood is coming. You know, not to ruin it for anybody who doesn't know what happens in wrestling. Um, the mask gets torn. You're probably going to see blood unless there's usually a quick finish after it or you're going to see blood. That's typically mm -hmm. the way a mask tear goes down historically. All right. So we're going to see blood. 
The mask gets ripped. There's a blade spot. You know, which is fine. Look, it's wrestling. I like that kind of stuff every now and then. I think it's cool. I, I've I've done the cut to my forehead thing, messing around with my buddies and whatever. It's not that bad. That's weird. But yeah, well, I'm a weird guy. So <laughs> here's the thing. When that happens, when that happens, and this goes out to Katrina and Dario, you are supposed to distract the audience. Everybody in the room is looking at the blade job. Katrina is staring at the blade job. Dario is staring at the blade job. (laughs) Heel manager 101. Somebody in the ring, in ring, not on the side, not on the apron, not on the floor, in the center of the ring is doing a blade job. As a manager, that is when you start pounding the apron. You start yelling at the crowd. You fucking pull out a tit. I don't care what you do. You are supposed to distract the crowd. This is what keeps it real for all of us. We do not want to see the blade job ever now given on tv they can cut away or whatever but all the cutaways i'm seeing are of everyone staring at the blade job (laughs) what was that that's a this is a huge criticism for me today this this particular spot in this episode you guys have any thoughts on it well to be fair katrina and dario are pretty new to the whole manager game it's not like they're agreed so i hope they're listening to this take note next time when you know the blade spot's coming, yell, scream, do something. Oh, kick, just... kick a fan in the audience or something. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead and hit me, Dario. It's all right. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, it was kind of cool, though. Um... Really, Dario and Katrina should have been fighting right yeah, there. That that's that's what should have happened. Uh, you killed been. my guy. No, you killed my guy, blah, 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 yeah. blade spot. And then we come back and there's blood. And it would have been a good way to get Katrina into the coffin, too. Yeah. like, yeah. And, and I'll even uh, I'll reference the Sexy Star match from before. You know, you know who covered it there? Marty Elias. Yeah. He starts screaming the do you do you know Moss, whatever, and he takes the focus off of the blade job. It was perfect. You know He's a veteran. Marty is the best. We know Marty's yeah. the best. Yeah. But I'm just saying that that was one of one of the only criticisms I could have about this actual match. I do like the act of it itself is because this is the first time we've seen Mil Muertes really vulnerable. Right. Yeah. To where his mask is fucking ripped. They ripped Phoenix couldn't do that shit. They ripped uh Matanza ripped his mask before, right? Yeah, and I think was, a, little. a little. I love it though when I love uh right. Mill's hair coming out though, because it totally I started immediately thinking of his other gimmicks, you know. <laughs> well because once the hair is out, it's like, oh yeah, that's right, that's who he is. <laughs> but it, it's kind of cool that uh Katrina's talking to him in his uh civilian name or like his before he died in the rubble name. Oh, which oh, Pasqual Mendoza. Pasqual Mendoza, Mendoza. And yeah. So for me, because I don't watch a whole bunch of uh, AAA, and I didn't really see him in TNA or or um, was it WSX or whatever. Oh God, watch WSX, Byron. Well, um, so you know when I see the hair, when I see the mask pulled out, and I see him as a human being, I I look at that as there's Pasquale, there's that guy, like there's him, not invincible. Casey, you need to close the door if you're gonna get naked in there. It doesn't. <laughs> Casey's changing. Casey's Casey walked into a room Calm down, to change, but left the door open so we could still watch. He's very... uh, I have my back to that door. I'm pretty sure he did that just for you. I don't. I don't. Oh. I don't. I don't participate. Not weird. Um. So but, yeah. let's. Ke- I mean, there's still some other crazy spots. Uh, we talked about Mill punching through the coffin. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, that was my and I will say that even after that blade spot, which wasn't a lot of blood anyway. 
Yeah. Um, there was a choke slam on the coffin right after that that pretty much took the bad taste out of my mouth immediately because that was amazing. They just destroyed each other. And those but, coffins. Okay, fuck. so here's my question for you guys because maybe you guys can explain this to me. Mill finds a gauntlet? What the fuck is that about? Sometimes when you set up a ring, you have to fight sharks. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> They live under the ring. It's it's fucked up. That's why like sometimes people go under the ring and they disappear and you can't find them. They don't have Undertaker powers. A fucking shark got them. And so you have that glove under there. So if the shark attacks you, it just bites your arm and you're okay. You know the chainmail. There's there's no water under the ring. It doesn't matter. Shark land sharks, dude. Don't you watch Saturday Night Live? Fuck. <laughs> Haven't you seen fucking Sharknado? So amazing. It's like. Is the, it, someone from the cast of Beverly Hills 90210 going to come out and save us from, from this? It's not oh, even 10 I hope it's Luke Perry. His son was training to oh, be a wrestler God. for a while. I used to see him at oh. shows constantly, so he's a fan. That's I will say, me. it's not even 10 a.m. in case he's already stealing the heels gimmick right now. But where did where did the uh, <laughs> where'd the gauntlet even go? Like... It uh, was there, it wasn't there. Like, I was so confused by this. Oh, yeah, there was a cut where he had to smuggle it, so he had to hide it in his ass. And I'm like, how are they going to show this on TV, right? <laughs> so they didn't. They just cut it out. Oh, the Casey theories are great. Um, <laughs> I like how when Mill found it, Stryker and Vampiro just had no words for it. Like, what is that thing? Vampiro did throw in the shark fighting thing because he fucking knows. He's been under a (laughs) ring. He knows how dangerous the waters are. Well, so the gauntlet is still a mystery. Maybe not as big a mystery of who Lord Big Boss is, but um, Katrina slaps the shit out of Dario. I mean, holy taste never going to be in your mouth again. That was one of the hardest slaps I've seen someone not get their jaw dislocated. And again, poor Dario. He's just an actor, guys. (laughs) It's like... Did, did he know stunt. what he was getting signed up for? Like this was stuff, something in a script, and he probably thought the stunt double was going to come out or whatever. But like, <laughs> yeah. he had to take a full-on hardcore slap from a woman who broke a chair over a man's back earlier. Like, she seems like a fairly strong woman, even though she's not wrestling all the and time. She's she's taller than him too. Yeah, yeah. she. Oh. I wonder what he thought when he was reading the script and he said, and he had to say, "Wait, there's going to be four caskets. <laughs> like, there's four of four us." Cas- Catholic? Yeah, do, yeah. I, do I like, have to go inside? Wait a Catholic? second. Let's before we shoot the scene. Let's go over the match. Yeah. Well, apparently he did because he was not the one that got put in a casket right after that. It was Katrina, <laughs> and she disappeared now, because the sharks got her. Now, here's here's my thing about this. If you're Matanza or Cueto or whoever is going to put Katrina in a coffin, why would you put her fucking rock in there? Why would you send her source of power with her to the grave? Yeah, kind of a bad move. I thought they were going to put the rock in a different run, different one, and then they all lose their powers, and then then they win that way. I thought Jake the Snake was going to come to the ring and start trying to smoke the rock. Well, I, I mean, I thought that was great. And so without, without uh, Katrina so there, well. without the power of the rock available, locked away in a coffin, and maybe that was really the point, was to shield the power from... Mill. Yeah, because yeah. then she can't revive him. Yeah, maybe sending the rock to the grave is the, the best yeah. thing because maybe then we get to the finish. Lead. You start seeing him breathe heavy too afterwards. Like he looked vulnerable after that too. And yeah. here's my favorite thing. The, the like the only coffin that's not smashed now gets wheeled into the ring. Yeah. And before we get the final spot, we're gonna smash this coffin up a little <laughs> bit. Like, yeah. God forbid we have a clean casket that goes to the finish here. Oh no, no. Um so uh, then we get the what's the crazy fucking 
Matanza move? Is the end of the? Is it the eater of the world? No, the it's, eater the, wrath, it the, it's the wrath world? of the gods. It's the Roman Reigns power slam. It's the wrath of the gods finish. It was a little off because you can't get the full spin rotation and hit the mark exactly. Yeah, because so. you got to get him in a casket. But yeah, it was still dope. It was still yeah. dope. I loved it. But there's there's still the um, semi-career-ending HBK back bump into a casket. Yeah. Yeah, but that was his own doing. That was just ridiculous. Ooh, I got to uh, go, guys. I've had enough right. of this kayfabe breaking on this fucking podcast. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm about to go see about some teaching credentials. I'll see you guys later. Man, real uh, people, I feel real sorry jobs. for anyone that you would teach. Hashtag real life problems. Yeah. Ask your mom what I taught her, pal. All right. Well, we're just going to try to call Vinny and see if we can get him on the show to fuck with you. Oh, awesome. Okay. <laughs> Are you going to stay? Have fun, guys. I'll see All right. You Close the door. I will. No, the one you walked by. That's open. I thought you were supposed to say don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Uh, Casey doesn't have an ass. He's white. <laughs> True. True. Um, so this finish, we, we talked a little bit about the Cuerno part at the end here. And then we also talked about that other segment. It goes into this big boss thing. Um, you guys feel free to hit us with your theories. I'm sure I haven't listened to Last Real Heels yet this week. I'm sure they have theories. I'm sure Twitwow has theories. I'm sure they were talking last Razor week. About... Probably got. Some... I should listen to Razor Capron because he probably goes off on his <laughs> theories. Um, the Heels were talking about too. Melissa having some sort of role. That's kind of been going. Well, and I've I've heard some of those theories too about how she's you know maybe some Aztec princess or something and doesn't even know it and there's all sorts of Melissa theories out there now which I think is cool that would be yeah. sweet if they actually like I haven't really thought about it much so I don't particularly have a theory myself yet but I think that it would be really cool if you would go so far as to have your ring and I mean you've you've had Vampiro have a, a storyline well everyone has a purpose in the temple and I I think when we go this deep into the show, that purpose extends beyond the matches. Everyone pretty much does. Has there been anyone to show up in Lucha Underground that has been purely jobber status that has not had like any kind of storyline? Well, Strike has been on TV. Striker's still sort of just an announcer. Right, so you're calling him a jobber? No, I'm well, gonna let him, I'll let him know you said that. First of all, we saw his career in the ring. Well... But no, no, I'm sorry. That was no. It's not. It, dude, but, but I don't no, even I'm think saying, he'd fault you for that. I think he'd be like, "Yeah, why the fuck do you think I'm announcing? I love but, this business, and I never got the fucking rub." No, Striker's the man. But as far as um, in the temple, he's one of those guys who just does his job. Vampiro does his job. Well, but Vampiro he's had some has, segments supporting Vampiro and the one where he yeah, picks him up or whatever. I guess that, that is was, his one. That his was one, one backstage bit where he picks up Vamp. Yeah, and that was kind of badass. Which is a shame, because Matt's, Matt's actually a decent actor. He should almost do a couple more spots or get involved in an angle somehow. They can save it. Maybe he can be uh, in an angle with Melissa. I'm sure he wouldn't be too mad about that. My, my One of my biggest pops last weekend was just uh, on a non-show thing when they were doing the Mother's Day uh, flowers uh-huh. to all the mothers. <laughs> Melissa was announcing it and said, uh, you know, all the mothers, raise your hand. And if anyone needs help becoming one, Striker will <laughs> <laughs> come on by. That is that is great, and I'm glad Melissa knows that. Um, Striker just, just put his head down. He was embarrassed, but uh, and I will say because uh, it's not a spoiler, it's not going to be on TV. Ray Mysterio was so nice during that segment. Ray Mysterio was really nice at the Temple in general. I won't tell you anything about any of his matches or whatever, but he spent time talking to a lot of fans. He made mm. sure he walked around a lot of the flowers, and other guys came out too. Joey Ryan, I think. Uh, who else? Came? A few a few people Joe came Ryan out and gave out flowers. Then, um, as part of the, yeah. the Mother's Day celebration, and Vamp did a big announcement for him. It was really cool. 
yeah, Vamp uh, did a nice, sweet Mother's Day thing. And then as soon as it was done, he was like, all right, that bullshit's over. You motherfuckers ready? <laughs> well, I mean, he's still going to get the crowd hype. You don't want a bunch of teary-eyed, you know, people going, oh, my, my mom, like during the first match or whatever, especially yeah. if it's for TV, which I think it was. I don't think it was dark. Um, no, it was... Which is the other, uh, another strange thing about Lucha is like if you're used to WWE because of the fact that they're always taping TV or whatever, all the dark matches are before or after. And Lucha Underground, they're usually in the middle of the show so they can reset something else or so they can do wardrobe changes for another episode or get yeah. gags ready or something. Like the dark matches, could it, sometimes I've been watching one and not even realize it's a dark match until you look up and see all the cameras are on the crowd or down and not on the action. That was, that was huge. I mean, I can imagine what the room was like when they were talking about this or that and that one person goes, why don't we do our dark matches during the downtime and then why don't we shoot crowd b-roll during that right and which is smart i mean i guess they need that because to me i'm always like the dark matches are so good half the time that i'm like they yeah. should just film this shit just in case <laughs> like yeah you already got the whole crew here you're paying them they're not like getting a break or anything it's we can't like, really talk about them right but yeah i mean i don't think we uh, yeah because you never know matches on the card well you have you, you got have big names least. like people if you go to a taping and yeah. like some of those people have been are are booked for a whole weekend a lot of times, so because it's hard for them to get to LA or whatever. So you'll get a big star that maybe wrestled on the Saturday but isn't in a TV match for Sunday. Yeah. So then all of a sudden they're in some awesome dark match, and it happens all the time. And sometimes those dark matches will be ten people on the roster. It's crazy. Like, yeah. and they'll be awesome, awesome matches. They won't like short sell the work. They'll still do crazy work. They'll still bump hard. They still do big spots. Can we give a shout out to the guy with the um with the with the boot markings on his face? Oh yeah. Is that too <laughs> I don't much? Know. It might be. I mean well, whoever I- I'll let you take your chances. Whoever had at some point in the recent past um the imprint of a boot on his face. Well done. Well done. Kudos. Kudos. Not Mentos. Kudos. Or her. Or her. It's no. It's mm. a... <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Since we've already pretty much talked about the whole episode, let's jump back in time real quick, and we'll just finish off this kind of lucha breakdown, and then I, I we'll get into some other stuff, and maybe we'll get Vinny on the phone here. Um. Let's talk about the trios match, the unlikely trio, Team Havoc, whatever you want to call them. Um is short on Helico, which we've talked about. Um, mm-hmm. And poor injury-ridden on Helico. So Dario, who formed them in the first place, decides to take another stab at creating a new unlikely trio by bringing out Johnny Kulo, Johnny Gordo, Johnny, Johnny Gordo. Puto, Johnny Morrison. Hey, shout out to the Luchasaurus <laughs> on his YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> that video we we were at the tapings and it just the tapings just destroyed me on Monday I was, I felt like I got hit by a truck and I wasn't moving and then I open up my computer and on YouTube I see that Luchasaurus or on Twitter wherever I was I saw that video and I watched it and it made me laugh so hard uh, I'm still laughing <laughs> <laughs> um yeah Johnny uh so with the partner Johnny uh johnny world johnny um the real morrison johnny hollywood johnny one thing to watch out for he hasn't changed his twitter 
from his WWE. Well, and yeah, and you won't get uh, you won't get a retweet from Lucha Underground using his old his handle. I don't think. Like some, I've noticed that like they'll retweet stuff with people from their AAA handles or yeah. their Lucha handles. Actually, in the only one that I think gets retweeted that isn't using her Lucha name is Carly. It's Katrina. She'll she, she, they still retweet her all the time. Oh yeah, no, you have to you have to tweet her. But it's funny. It's like you would think they would want the rub from that on Twitter. Like so I guess I, some wrestlers just don't know how to use social media yet, Whoa. and some know how to work that shit. Like Famous B. He'll work a full Twitter gimmick for a night if necessary. Like oh, he will work yeah. the shit out of Twitter. All week he's posting pictures of Masquerita and saying, here's the next big thing. I mean, it's fucking hilarious. And I'm thinking, oh shit, is there going to be a famous B spot with Masquerita this week? No, there's not even a spot no. this week. He's just representing his client. That's a fucking, that's a sell right there. That's oh. how you get yourself over people. Like, but fuck one, it. Get yourself over. One thing to watch out for is um, Alberto Patron kept Viva Del Rio on Twitter when he left WWE and then he went back right away. Hmm. Suspicious or not. Or well, maybe this whole thing is just a big work to cash in and come back to Lucha Underground. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, also, I think you lose your, your blue check if you change your Twitter handle too. So maybe that's why Johnny Mundo doesn't want to change it. Oh, uh, that might be, that, that could be the case. I don't know, and what? Well, his is at the real Morrison, right? Or yeah, the real Morrison, yeah. So, I mean, he did ten different names in WWE. Yeah, he should just go by Johnny Nitro. Yeah, I mean, the the he'd just be Johnny at this point, just Johnny. Jimmy Impact. Yeah, Jimmy <laughs> Jimmy Impact. Um, so he is the new third partner. Sorry, we digress every now and then here, folks. Yeah. So he is the new third partner with the unlikely trio versus the Lucha dream team of Dragon Azteca Jr., Rey Mysterio Jr. And Rick, um, shit. Um, He's a Prince. Prince. Puma. Uh, Puma. Puma. Yeah, yeah. 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 Did I say that Hornswoggle was the big boss yet? He is a McMahon. If he was, he was wearing gloves. So if he it's wore, if he wore like Four pairs of gloves over each other and was standing in the limo. It's not Hornswoggle. Then okay. it could have been him. Um, so early in the match, Dragon Azteca is working with Ivelisse. And they're doing kind of a l- little bit of chain wrestling, whatever. Handshakes. In handshakes and stuff. And, and being very friendly. And then they try to do the double kip up at the same time. Oh. And this, uh, this doesn't go so well. Was that... Now, do you like the TV explanation for this, or do you just find that to be complete and utter garbage? Oh, the the ankle thing. Um, well, she was selling the ankle, and she sold the ankle after the fact. After the fact, and she keeps breaking her ankle. Is Hopefully, that why she missed the kip up? I mean, I think she just <laughs> missed it. I think um, she just missed it too. And then, I can't do it, so I'm not gonna. And then had the the it. smarts to sell the 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 leg thing, or maybe she did twist her leg on trying to do the kip up. I don't know. Yeah, she smiled afterwards too. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, it's like, dude, people people miss spots again. Kudos to Lucha Underground for trying to make something out of it and not necessarily try to hide it. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, she botched it a little bit. She's still totally over whatever. I'm sure she wasn't thrilled about it. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe she landed on her foot wrong or something and sort of tweaked her ankle. I don't know, but it's 
it you know touches like that touches like the Aerostar yeah uh botch uh, it, they keep it going and it i think on a level it shows a little bit of um uh humanity maybe to yeah. these to these characters and also you I mean cuz you'll see of, you'll see 20 minutes of high flying perfection at times too yeah. it's like you can't expect that it's going to be flawless yeah. every single time and you can't always think either that every spot has been worked out in these matches and honestly the the way that most lucha libre wrestling is done there's a lot of calling it on the fly and a lot of uh, the guys will say okay we're going to work some chain wrestling here or hey we're going to work high spots to the floor here but not necessarily calling what every single one of those is going to be right you know you might work out a sequence or two with your guy you know but they're not agented like a WWE match sometimes where they're planning the commercial break ahead of time and you got to hit your spots at certain time, you know? Yeah. So I just, I, I thought it was very interesting and I thought it was interesting too, that they slowed down there and they didn't use the power of editing to ramp it up and get you away from that moment. Vamp and Striker acknowledge it. Even mm-hmm. Lisa's acknowledging it and they kind of move into some more. It makes it real, but also it brings you more into the characters because you learn about someone when you see how they deal with, right? Well, and issues. we get and then yeah. and then Stryker talks about her history of LBIs, the the lower body yeah. issues, which I I was in tears when he said I was just like, what the fuck is Stryker talking about? Stryker's right now? talking about getting kicked in the head backstage. I love it. I love the whole thing. I was just I thought it was funny, <laughs> um, but the way he said LBIs, it was like she had some kind of mild STD or something that that she was coping with. Like you put a cream on it. <laughs> like yeah. I don't know. It was just funny to me. <laughs> Um, and then Ray and Havoc, uh, kind of work some unique spots. Um, I think, I think a singles match with these two would be straight fire. I want to see these two wrestle each other at some point in time. Oh, definitely. Like, like oh, you want to see everyone else out of the ring. I want everyone else away from there. I want to see Ray and Havoc work. I know Ray won't probably work that hard and furious at the beginning of the match. Like let Havoc do all the big work at the beginning. Cause you know, if you guys don't know, Ray's knees are not what they used to be. Yeah. Um, but, dude, Ray, for a guy who, who is getting up there in age and has put a lot of hours on his legs, he still does not let that slow him down too much. Like, he doesn't shortchange it. He just works He works smarter, but he still works fucking hard. Well, it's crazy to watch Ray and Lucha and, and see the Ray towards the end of WCW. Yeah. Like, you see him go for Ronas where he would land on his knee on the flip. Why? Whereas, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Well, and he's probably saying the same thing to himself now. Like, why did I do that? But also his schedule isn't wrestling three to four times a week, too. Like, he'll put in his spots well, on the weekend. Well, a lot of and people then... have complained about that, too, though, that, like, his start in Lucha Underground was too slow. The beginning of the season dragged. What You're doing all these promos with him and no in-ring debut, and that it didn't really even hype up his in-ring debut that much. Um and it, his debut was coming for so long. But I like and and for those who don't know, he he was probably going to debut in season one, but then the thing happened with Pero down down in Mexico, and that it slowed down whether Ray was what Ray was doing at all at that yeah. point in time. You know that was a pretty yeah, tragic he almost, situation. He almost retired, I think. <clears throat> like it was that was a decision to be to be made at that point. Yeah, which is understandable. I mean, it's just tragic, tragic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know no fault to anyone kind of thing, but it was just a sad, sad situation. And kudos to Ray for being able to bounce back from that too. And Ray, yeah. we really appreciate you being in the temple, you know, after your storied career and coming and giving the rub to the side of the business that you love 
even in spite of the hardships that you've personally faced. I just think yeah. that's amazing that we even have Ray in Lucha Underground right now. Well, he's he's a real ambassador of Lucha Libre. Um, and we've had that come into uh, Lucha Underground before. Yeah. Someone coming in saying they're doing that and then they leave because... Well, you know, and Ray's only been around for this season. We'll see what happens, folks. Yeah. If, you know. But but he's he was at Austin Warfare yeah. doing interviews. He's pushing the show. Like he's promoting And I'll and, say this, and Ray said it publicly at Austin Warfare, he said that he is really looking forward to a feud with Johnny Mundo. So I am now really looking forward to a feud uh, with Johnny Mundo. And yeah. I don't know if it's happened yet or where it's going. I don't think it'll necessarily be this season. I mean, you get a little bit of it starting right here, maybe. But Ray yeah. has said that he's looking forward to a, a feud with this guy. And these guys can both move. Johnny's got the size to be able to do some crazy spots with Ray and the, the muscles. Um, and he can fly, too. I would yeah. love to see a, a, a program with, you know, new school parkour flippy shit versus old school, you know, traditional style Lucha Libre flippy shit. I think that would be awesome. Well, Lucha Underground is is a show. First of all, the whole like debuting Ray in the ring. Uh, they really built up his debut, but they built up his debut on the show because it's a show more than an in-ring product. Right. And I think that's where they were. That's where they put. That's the basket they put their eggs in for yeah. premiering on the show, as as opposed to in the ring. But but you look at the show and you have a bunch of luchadors who idolized Ray and who wrestle styles influenced and that will mesh well with them. And now you have Ray coming in. And he mixes it up with I can't, everyone. I mean, I really cannot even believe that we have Ray right now. Yeah. Just, I mean, to put it into context, I was watching Ray in ECW 20 some odd years ago. And this is at the same point in time when Vampiro was one of my favorite wrestlers and he was debuting in WCW. Yeah. So look at where Vampiro is now. And no, no slight on Vamp. He's had his career or whatever, but he's sitting behind a desk he dude him walking around he doesn't even walk so good anymore like you can see the the ring wear on this man he yeah. has been through it he's put on a couple pounds he's sitting there he's still in the business which is awesome mm-hmm. but at the same time ray should be there too yeah vampire i think is a little bit older than ray yeah he and he but, was yeah but ray is, came in so young but at the same time the same length of of careers here we're talking yeah. about these two guys vampiro did his thing like he had a full-on career as big as hulk hogan outside of the u.s right right and he and he got some love here in the u.s for a little while too and then yeah. you're talking about ray who was getting over huge then continued we thought for sure Ray's going to get buried in WWE once the, the whole merger thing happened. No. Ray went on to be the fucking champion there. Yeah. The craziest shit ever. Whoever thought a real luchador with that kind of career would ever, ever get the rub from Vince McMahon. Yeah. Amazing still to this day. And that says something about Ray too because people, you don't get to be that unless you got some magic backstage too. You have to be doing a certain something that the company likes. You have to be a certain kind of person. Well, he, and Ray wasn't doing it with the bullying and and burying other people like some people might have. Ray was doing it purely out of like the kindness of the kind of person he is. And this is a guy, and I, I will tell you, this weekend after a match, he stayed in the ring. They normally clear the place out, let the wrestlers get out of there. Ray stuck around to say hi to all the fans. 
Yeah. He did not need to do that. It's amazing. But but his big draw, I think, at WWE was he was that Lucha Libre ambassador. And he would sell tickets. He would sell merch. They would do a Mexico tour. Right. And put Ray at the top of it and then sell out. And his niece couldn't keep up the schedule, this and that. And he ended up leaving. And now that he's back doing shows for AAA, he's going to the hottest up-and-coming American Lucha Libre show. And he's, I mean, he's doing everything he can to help it out. You know, he puts more eyes on it. He's going in. He's westling everyone he can, yeah. even if it's Aztec Warfare. Um, and then he's in it's the It's funny because people. I almost want to see him do some time in TNA just so he can have been at all the major promotions. Get him that X division. Even though, even though TNA is so, so over now. And I'm going to get to that in a few minutes with this oh, EC3 thing. But... Um, yeah, it's sad. But it's the the Ray, the Ray and Lucha Underground. I agree. Is just we're we're watching we're watching that luchador that we idolized as a kid who was yeah. flying and blowing our minds. And he still got it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Ray is not going to work that stupid, ridiculous, fast pace at the beginning of a match like he did way back in the day. Okay, yeah. this is not Psychosis Ray circa 1998. This but is- he's smarter <laughs> about building the matches now, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the storyline is still there. And when those spots come at the end, you're still going to pop for them. No, the 619 is not going to surprise you when it happens. You're going to see the setup coming from probably a mile away, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> You're going to love it. You will oh. pop for it every single time. It feels really good to chant 619. It does. It does. Even though we're we're in the 323-310. Whatever Boyle Heights is. What, what is Boyle Heights? It's 323. I think it's 323. Yeah. But it's, I mean, you look at, you look at matchups and... The last uh, Lucha Libre royalty ambassador who was coming in, he fought Tejano. Yeah. I think he did a couple jobber matches, and then he fought Mundo, who Mundo doesn't need any sort of introduction or rub. He worked with this guy before, and he was one of the big stars to help get this show off the ground. Um, But then Ray comes in, and he's already, he's in this, he's in a, first of all, he's in a, uh, trios team with Puma, who is the top dog in Babyface. And yeah, Lucha. I mean he reigned for the whole first season. Yeah, and but he's still getting the rub from Ray. Right. And well, then, I mean that's the, that's like they're both giving the rub to a certain extent because yeah. Puma is like, you know, putting him over with, hey, I got over with this crowd, you know, welcome Ray here. It's not bullshit. I mean that's it's just more this like the stamp of approval of. Yeah. Ray being here is not bullshit. We're yeah. not just, you know, he's not just a flash in the pan. He's not some old timer that's going to come and do two matches and leave you guys. And then dragging us Sega Jr. with his pizza DDT. You know, yeah. Ray, Ray's bringing him in and saying, hey, this guy's cool. And then this guy is matching Ray and doing more high spots than him, you know? Right. Like, oh, he's mixing it up with all these guys. And then you look at matchups like Ray Phoenix one-on-one, Ray Pentagon one-on-one, Ray Aerostar. And I'm one telling on you, Ray Havoc, I want to be in that list. Ray That's Havoc. what this match... I mean, I just got a taste of it. Just a slight little... It was just a little dick tease of <laughs> what that could possibly be. And I am... I'm just like, oh my God, I need to see those two one-on-one. I need to see that match. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Like, oh, and it was just funny. Uh, them working their weird double leg grab kid and play thing. I thought was... Ah. It was like cheesy, <laughs> but at the same time, it was like, that's a good use for Ray. Like, we're popping... 
and we're not hurting Ray, and it's yeah. actually compel- compelling. Him and Havoc worked a couple spots before that, and then they slowed it down and did that thing, and it was really funny. It was just flat-out entertaining. And that's what wrestling is supposed to be, people. It doesn't, like, you get a little spoiled in Lucha Underground because the high spots are so freaking sick. Nobody is doing high spots like Lucha Underground. And for the most part, those high spots aren't that dangerous. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's always inherent danger in high spots, but I'm just saying the high-flying movement and action, even better than when WCW had their cruiserweight division. For anything mm-hmm. that is an American product, um, you know, and some of the Japanese stuff too, like they they work slower and stiffer up to some good crazy high spots like this, but something about Lucha, the, the way it moves and the way you, they incorporate high spots in the beginning, middle, and end of matches yeah. is amazing to me. It's a really cool blend of the American and Lucha Libre styles. Yeah. And some Japanese, like when you have um, Daga coming in, going a little bit more strong style. Oh, which I love. I thought that was yeah. great. Him, him and Tejano's match was still one of my top five matches this season, even with all the other crazy shit. Well, I just so, really loved out. that match. It, st- it stood out, and that's what it was. It was like a totally different style. Like I felt like I was in Japan all of a sudden with two luchadors. <laughs> Here's another tangent on a tangent. Yeah. Did you hear about Bret Hart talking about how, um, how wrestling, which is basically just WWE, uh, it has turned into like the same 200-pound six foot tall guy doing Rana's like it, they're all the same. Like you have Sammy's, they're all like a bunch of Sammy Zanes. Right. Pretty much. And he wants more big guys and, and not just like jacked up Mason Ryan's, but like King Kong Bundy's like more of a variety. But I, I think, okay. And, and I don't disagree with some of that criticism to a certain point. And I like to see a more diverse roster in general, but I think part of the problem is one of the things you're seeing is these 200-pound guys that that can move like that are also the ones that can cut good promos. Yeah. And the problem is wrestling is not just about the in-ring work. I mean, these guys that Brett's talking about, they didn't talk. They had to have managers. That doesn't really fly, especially in WWE. They've gone so far away from from that like, you know, even if even if a guy needs that, it's more um, you know, a, a two guys getting paired together where one of them can talk. Yeah. You know, and they're both in-ring workers. You don't really have the non-workers that will come out and cut the the Jimmy Hart promo or the Paul oh. Bearer promo or the Jim Cornette promo. Jim Cornette <laughs> was a good manager, but... But I'm just saying, you don't... Uh, you, you could do that, and maybe that's the trick. Like, Brett, if you want those kind of guys back, figure out a way to get the storylines over because if you're talking about WWE... Raw is three goddamn hours long every week. Somebody has to be able to cut a promo. The whole show is that long because during the Monday Night Wars, when these two companies were going back and forth, those promos where people were semi-shooting were what was selling the whole thing. And the problem is once you make the programs that long and you're selling those ad revenues, and people, this is real business talk here. Once you're doing that, you cannot go back. Believe me, if Vince McMahon, Triple H, Stephanie, whoever, the powers that be, could go back to a two-hour Raw right now, they would. Well, I They would love to. They can't. The ad sales are done, people. It'll never go backwards now. I don't know if Vince would. I do know the people who are more hands-on writing it would, but you, when you're yeah, looking at like, perform- okay. no, Vin- I'll tell you why Vince would. I'll tell you why Vince would because it would protect his talent more and give him better guarantees on paydays if he didn't have to overwork them. 
Vince doesn't mind working people to the bone, but mm. even Vince McMahon does not want to overwork these guys to the point. Like, look at WrestleMania this year. Yeah. Don't think that Vince McMahon wanted that much of his roster sitting on the sidelines for WrestleMania. Yeah. It's the, it doesn't work for him either. And But the problem is we've the, the stick took over during the Monday Night Wars. The stick became all-important. It's part of why Lucha Underground rocks. It's part of why TNA for a while was really, really awesome because they had that show. They had a really rich X division on top of, you know, some other good mid card to top card workers. They had some legends in there as well. They had a lot of guys who could work the stick, but they didn't have to as hard as WWE did. WWE set a precedent for themselves and it, and it worked even after the merge for a long time, because then you had all these other guys who could yeah. talk. And you had Booker T coming in and just, you just had name after name of all these people. Y2J had already debuted and, like you had all these guys that could grab a microphone and carry a 20 minute promo. Keep yeah. this in mind. This is a show that every week has to have a 20 minute promo. You know what Lucha well, Underground could do with 20 minutes? In 20 minutes, you have two cinemas and a fucking great match, you know, and drive 10 times more story than one 20 minute promo in WWE in a three hour show. Yeah, the, the, let's just say 20 minutes is the first half of Lucha. You did yeah. all of those scenes. You did that match. You did everything except the main event. That's it. The main yeah. event and the final scene. And the final scene. I mean, before the main event happened on this last episode, like they, they have good entertaining episodes, but this one had not only one of their best matches, but yeah. they just dropped the hammer on a ton of story that we've been asking questions about. And before the main event happened, like my mind was already blown. And I, I will say this, like, the the WWE after the merge with ECW WCW whatever after all that stuff played out that was the death of the big man you couldn't get Mark Henry over anymore you couldn't get Big Show over Kane started having problems getting over because it was impossible in these huge amount of times without those back and forth storylines and without the the new inflood of the WCW versus WWE thing going on anymore it was really hard for them to get over all those big guys. Rikishi died. I mean, all these characters. Yeah. And they were being overworked. These guys don't have the same kind of knees. They can't do the fucking schedule that the 200-pound Sami Zayn's of the world can do. They yeah. can't do it. That's why. So, Bret Hart, there's your answer. That's why you don't have a ton of those guys right now. Well, I also think that he's only looking at WWE. That's his world. Right. Not even TNA. And I don't know what TNA is Well, and if that doing, is your but, world, that's the thing. You can't you can't do it. TNA can even do it because they film four shots. They film like yeah. four days in a row or whatever. But Lucha Underground, when, you, when you're looking for what Brett's asking for is a variety in the show. Right. Lucha Underground, I think, delivers that to an extent. You have your big guys. You have your... You don't... I mean, look, the, the, but, but being realistic, the big guys, yeah, Matanza, Mill, like the guys you look at in Lucha as monsters... Yeah. I'm taller than those guys. Yeah. Like they're not like it's deceptive. Even when you're there, they're not that big. Like Morrison is a, is a, looks like a huge guy in Lucha Underground. Cage looks like a huge guy. Cage but if huge. you stood, if you stood cage next to some of the bigger WWE workers, you would be like, Oh, cage is not a very big guy. Well, like Dean Ambrose is, he's tall. Yeah. He's like what? Six, three or something. Yeah, he's, he's like, tall guy, yeah. But he's, He's uh, real skinny. He doesn't carry himself like a big guy if you threw him. But that's because he's standing in WWE. Yeah, he, he doesn't was... look like a big guy there necessarily. I like, mean, Chris Jericho, yeah. if you put him in Lucha Underground, he's almost like size-wise the same size as John, John Morrison. 
yeah. you know, Johnny Mundo, whatever we're calling him. Yeah. It's, they do a really great job in Lucha with the presentation of, yeah. of their monsters. So I, I, again, I don't think that Brett's wrong. I just think that fixing that problem is a lot more difficult than just bringing those guys in. You can bring in those big workers, but you're going to beat up their knees you're going to gas him out. Hell, just the fucking run down to the ring. How fucking far is that? It's like it's like 180 <laughs> yards. Oh, these guys yeah. have to do these long ring entrances, and then they have to cut promos, and they have to be on their knees. They have to do solid work. They have to bounce around in the, the biggest wrestling ring around. I mean, it's wide as shit. It's the biggest size yeah. that you get. Um you know, it's There's a no lot of work. Squash matches anymore either. And yeah, but you can't work a squash storyline when you got a three-hour show yeah. and you have to do you know, a SmackDown after that, you know, house shows on the weekends, whatever. Like you can't, it's yeah. not sustainable. It's not a sustainable model. And that type of athlete, like Brett, imagine Andre the Giant working that schedule today. Andre the Giant had trouble working a house show and a TV taping in his heyday. Hogan would have had problems even in his heyday. These guys like did not work the schedule that the the dudes that work at WWE do now, you know, and you have to be a certain type of individual. I think the rock is the model that you're seeking nowadays. And that's about as big as you want to go for a real star. You can't just have a giant come in. Um, you're not going to get a Sid vicious. You're not going to get like the, yeah. these guys, it's just not going to work anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the white family. All those guys are oh, big. Yeah. Big guys and and Harper can really work, um, but yeah, I I do, I mean I would like to see a variety of variety of characters, a variety of styles of matches. Yeah, um, I don't necessarily want to see like a. I think you get a little bit of it on NXT. I mean, yeah. I think they could bring in a couple of big guys there, see how they work out, and then maybe do the thing where they're bringing them up to the big show occasionally, or they bring them up for one program and then they send them back down. And I don't even like saying up and down because I don't feel like NXT is an up and down situation anymore. And I think a lot of performers would almost rather be in NXT right now and let their gimmicks be able to get worked out. Um, and then pull up that gimmick to the, to one of the other shows. Like I think it should be more of a revolving door with the whole roster because NXT will give them a chance to take a little bit of a break. It brings more prestige to that show. You can work a different style. You can try out some angles, do some different stuff down there. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't mind seeing some big talent down there. But I think short term, you're going to want that big show paycheck. Right. All right. Well, anyways, we were talking about the 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 trios match. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't know that there's much more to say. I mean, Ray hits his six one nine, and then he lets Puma go over in this match. That felt weird to me. It felt a little. Uh, Why Puma and not Dragon Azteca too? I mean, well, I know Dragon Azteca was on the floor at this well, point Puma's in time. Puma's but... there, but it's like this is Puma's house, you know. Uh, let him take it, but it also sort of felt like. Just a little bit, like Puma doesn't need that. Well, what's what's the well, word? Well, I, I mean, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna break kayfabe here, and I'm just gonna say it outright. I think the writers wanted Ray to let Puma go over here so that Puma doesn't start thinking about going elsewhere. This is, but this was filmed a long time ago. I, I, even back then, even back then, I'm gonna say that I think that maybe there were some rumblings going on, and it's it's like. 
we need to make sure that our superstar from season one feels like he's getting the rub. I feel like there was backstage politics at play in letting Puma go over in this particular yeah. match because it didn't feel right to me either. I I felt like there was a little bit of storyline sort of Ray comes in does this thing and says like here you go kid you can have this one and you know it's just and maybe a, it is building to the, some, some the, of that like yeah it's the first time I've seen that maybe it's supposed to be that maybe it isn't but I look at that and again, I look at DJ is really intentional when he writes this stuff yeah. too. so this might be setting up a little something with Ray and Puma who like, knows Puma is not dragging a Sega junior he doesn't need to, to be handed a right match. um but I, I will say, uh, non-kayfabe, um, I felt the same way you did at the beginning of season two, where it was a show about, or the main event scene was dominated by monster heels. Right. Pentagon, um, Mil Muertes, um, Matanza hadn't entered yet, but he was but, knocking on the door. But he was the, the, the threat the whole time. Dario's yeah. out there at the fighting club somewhere else with Matanza. We know he's the threat that whole time. And you look at all these guys and you go, well, Puma just straight up got beaten down at, at uh, Ultimo Lucha 1. Right. Uh, and he lost his title. And then he comes back and he's trying to, you know, get back in there with Mill. And then Pentagon comes in, breaks his arm. Right. And then now... Now, Puma went down another notch. He has to fight through Pentagon to get to his spot well, again. Well, so I guess the question, it's, like, look, he's a trios champion right now. Which is great. do you want Puma to wear the gold again? Do you want Puma to have the Lucha Underground title again? Is that what the average Lucha fan wants? I don't know. I mean, I think... I mean, everyone... Don't, don't get me wrong. Everyone wants Pentagon to wear the belt, obviously. Everyone wants like, Pentagon. Pentagon is the one guy that everyone is like, why the F does he not have the belt? Yeah. But... Other than that, like, do you want to see a Pentagon Puma feud where those two are the guys in the title picture? Is that the feud that everyone's been missing this whole time? And how do you get Matanza and Mill out of the title picture ever? That's yeah, that's a big that's I mean issue. that's a problem with creating monsters is like But the trios team with Ray and Dragon S. Sega Jr. as like the Brock Lesnar of, of the trios, like yeah. they're untouchable. That's a great spot for him. I mean there's that's the most prestige he's had all season. Well, and this is another one, too. It's like just the same way, like, how do you take the belt off of Matanza? And now we've seen him completely decimate Mill and, and Katrina disappear, which we didn't even talk about, by the way. She just fucking disappeared. What the fuck? <laughs> it makes sense, though. I if guess. If she could disappear, she would get the fuck out of there. Well, yeah. And t- I mean, but she left her poor Mill to die and is like, what happens oh. to Mill now? Does she have to reincarnate him? What 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 is the process? <laughs> well, I, I assume that she'll pick him up where she picked him up last time. Oh, yeah. But then Cuerno ha- has him now. so Right. So is he going to taint the process? Ooh, 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 ooh. Good stuff. Yeah. I'm so happy that Cuerno showed up. Um, right, so it. Ray hit his 619, Puma goes over. Uh, aftermath, Taya and Ivelisse, um, which we didn't really talk about, they are kind of working spots and a little angle together through this whole thing. Hmm. Uh, I hope now that, you know, the unlikely trio has kind of been eliminated from the title picture for the trio's belt, now that maybe this frees Evie up to, to have a feud with Taya because yeah. I, I would be so conflicted. I would <laughs> not. <laughs> Who do you I, cheer for? I have. I would probably cheer for Taya. I'm showing my my partial heel nature. Like yeah. I may not be 
the last real heel or even a real heel at all. <laughs> like almost every one of my other friends that likes Lucha Underground, they're fucking heels, all of them. God damn it. Um, but I would say that I would probably cheer for Taya in a feud with her and, and Ivelisse. And I'm a huge Ivelisse fan. I would, I would cheer for Ivelisse, but it would be something I'd want to see. It's, it'd be great to see Ivelisse and Havoc do some single matches too. Yeah. I I, w- I wouldn't be mad at that. Yeah, yeah. I, I want like I said I want to see Havoc Ray. I think Havoc's a guy who could really get over in singles at the 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 top of the middle of the card. Um, you know, and I'd like to see him a little bit higher than that eventually. But I think that still like if you give him some just classic luchador style matches, let him work with everyone out of AAA. Mm-hmm. I think that would just bring his whole thing to another level, which would be awesome. And stay healthy. Don't get hurt like your teammate. Yeah, please, please don't get hurt. Um. I think that's it. everything I have for this episode of Lucha. But the one thing I want to talk with you about, I don't know if you watch this thing or not, the um, the Evolve promo oh. with Ethan Carter third uh, EC3. I read it. Derek Bateman. I read some stuff. Um, <clears throat> look, so if you don't know what happened, um, Evolve is a, a WWN show. It's like a IPPV kind of show. WWN has some affiliation with WWE now. They're doing some cross-development stuff or whatever. So this makes Evolve an interesting place because TNA now with their contracts does not have exclusivity on guys. They're doing kind of what Lucha Underground does where they're bringing them in for solid tapings. They're clearly on the roster. They have contracts, but they are allowed to work elsewhere. You do other stuff, but your priority is... Your priority is TNA. So, but... Now WWN has this kind of thing with the WWE going, and I don't know the full extent of it, but NXT talent can go back and forth from NXT to WWN and kind of, and vice versa. It gives them, it gives NXT kind of a farm league now that they've kind of been, uh, FCW's kind of been absorbed into NXT and that gives them another level of where to pool from and where to send people to work stuff out so just like ovw in the past and stuff like that it's not not uncommon at all so here comes ec3 he comes out and he cuts a promo and this promo is very good first of all it's very interesting it's a little long it's a little long (laughs) in the tooth but whatever the wrestling on the rest of the show wasn't all that great anyway so the promo was kind of worth seeing and, and you should look this up on the internet because it's a good promo. So he comes out and he starts cutting this promo and he starts talking shit on Triple H and not being used. And, uh, you know, there's a few WWE talents there too. Johnny Gargano's there. And basically EC3 and Galloway are talking shit about WWE. And it almost sets up this TNA versus WWE feud. But, but on second viewing of this, I noticed something very interesting. There's no mention of TNA. Yeah. And that's got to tell you something, folks. The only group not getting over in this promo is TNA. Evolve gets the rub from this. It's a big deal. TNA guys coming out talking real shit about their time with WWE, how they were mistreated or whatever. I feel like, and a few other people have said this, what? Are we burning down? Are we dying? Are we dying? What is that? My Aliens? Day, my, coffee, my coffee maker may have turned off. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so I think that WWE knew about this promo. I think that EC3 is going to leave TNA. I think that he will probably work 
evolve for a little while um, mm-hmm. in WWN, and then I think he will be back on NXT, and I think he's going to get another run in a much different light, and I think that this almost certainly buries the shit out of TNA even more than it already has been buried. That's where I feel this whole promo is going. I think this is a work, people. I do not think this was a shoot promo after all. First viewing, you think it's a shoot. I think this is actually 130% a work. Well, I'm sure he has the gripes, um, but I also feel like at this point, um, at this point, really, like it, all that stuff isn't relevant anymore. Like, they all, everyone got Bill DeMott fired twice. And, you know, and then, like, especially for him, he's world champ, I guess, for another show. He's like Can their you call main that guy. world champ. Uh, <laughs> he's a champ. Let's just say a champ. He's, he's the champion of another show. Like, he, he's had a ton of success as soon as he left. And, you know. But his contract's like, coming up soon. I yeah. don't think he's going to re-up. I just wonder how sour his grapes should be right now where um, where he's turned out all right. And it's it's a business of not burning bridges. But it's also a business of making money. Yeah. And, and I, so, think he, I think he's a guy that can do the work to make the money. And whatever the backstage politics are, I think he'll take another shot at it. I think he'll take another shot at trying to get to the big payday. Well, if WWE can make money with them, they'll sign them and they'll they'll shake his hand. I think with this a smile. was a test of that. I think that's what they're doing here. I think they're testing out his heel power and letting him cut a promo on it. Because here's the thing, WWN has very close ties to WWE now. Mm. They're not going to book him to come in there and talk shit on Triple H and WWE unless it's okay with WWE. Right. There's no way he comes in there and talks that mad shit. Like, everyone's like, ooh, he's off the... That promo went on 20 fucking minutes. There's no way they let a guy come in from another organization go that far off the rails. And again, he never mentions TNA once. He doesn't mention TNA. He has Galloway with him. Yeah. Who is another rehabilitated... Correct. um, uh, You know, um, Sony's been cast off by WWE. um, And they're both main event players in in the world. And I think if you're wrestling. WWE right now, you're looking at the fact that they need to build some more stars and this whole NXT, the newest version of the NXT experiment is working. And it's time to capitalize on that. Triple H has been a fan of it. And they should call NXT former TNA champs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like what, Samoa is running around now? Well, S- Samoa Joe was Samoa Joe before TNA. Well, true, true. But, he worked at a lot of places. I mean, but... TNA kind of did as much as they could to ruin his reputation. But They uh, did. But you have... Or else he should have been coming into the main card like AJ. I mean, he shouldn't have been having to even go to NXT in the first place. If if, yeah. if you got Samoa, if Samoa Joe didn't get buried, you know, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, you look at a guy like Brock Lesnar, you look at a guy like Matanza, and you go, who, aside from Mill and Lucha, who's going to have a realistic match with them? It's Joe out of any roster Maybe. that's on TV. Maybe. If you, if you throw in the shoot MMA kind of ability, yeah, it would be a little more realistic, though weight class-wise, Brock and Joe are not. <laughs> like, as big a guy as Joe is... Dude, I've stood next to Brock Lesnar. That man is just <laughs> a building. He's. A I'm not f- saying he would win. No, and I'm. Just, but but yeah, you need those realistic matchups. You you need that kind yeah. of thing. I mean, you know, Cena's bigger than Joe. 
like just size wise, you know, but, but regardless, yeah, I could actually see that. That would be fun. I would watch the shit mm-hmm. out of that. Um, anyway, so that was, that's, that's really cool though. And that's a really cool, uh, thing to notice about that whole controversial segment. Yeah. Yeah. It was just really like, it struck me the first time I just felt like it was going a little bit long. And it's just, the, the thing is you guys have to know is shoot promos do happen sometimes people will let it go, but it's usually complete independent people. Mm-hmm. If when they have big ties to other people, if you see a real shoot and it makes it on TV and they let it go. Like, believe me, if that had been a real, real shoot, they would have been sending, you know, Gargano would have been running in sooner. Like, the run-ins would have happened a lot sooner. Somebody backstage would have been like, run yeah. out there, throw a fucking chair at that guy. Like, If it was a real shoot, they wouldn't have down. the time booked to do it. Correct. That. And they had the time booked to do it. They let it go. It led to another angle. Then, you know, there's 20 million run-ins, and then EC3 is on the outside of the ring, and there's, like, everyone in the ring is cutting promos back at him. Like, guys, it was a work. It was a freaking work. And I think it was a sanctioned WWE work. And the big loser here is TNA. What if he gets you got in your there? guys doing work for other companies, <laughs> for two other companies. Oh, God, TNA. You're, yeah, that's, so how, that's, the, that's how TNA is. Like, wow, you guys are not... You can't even keep your main guys from going and doing work for other companies on their weekends. Like... Like, wow. To me, it's like, you know, if you put over the whole TNA versus WWE thing, that would have been super cool. And that's kind of what they were alluding to. That's not what this was. No. Well, TNA just, I mean, they're they're going down and down. It's so poorly run. There's no stability. It sucks. I mean, they were, they could have been, they could have been the number two show way back when you have guys like AJ Styles, Joe, and, and Chris Daniels. You know, having these incredible three-way matches, they yeah. were pu- they were putting on a different product, and they were putting on a, a smaller scale that that made the whole thing profitable for them. I think, um, but it was different. And then, then they bring in Hogan and Bischoff, and then from then on, it was just constantly changing, constantly like now we're gonna do like the end end days of WCW a year later. Now we're going to do this. Now it's now we're going to be good. Okay, that was bad. Now we're going to be good this time. Right. Like, well, it's just it, it, it's a shame too. I just feel like, you know, there's certain things in the wrestling horizon. I don't know where certain things are going to go. I like a little bit of what WN's WWN's doing with like this network of Chinese stuff and and mm-hmm. American stuff and kind of bringing together this bigger indie universe i still don't think the work in a lot of matches is very good i some especially yeah. after watching lucha you know it's like i want to be excited about certain indies and certain things that are going on but it's hard to watch a lot of wrestling for me these days maybe i watched yeah. too much back in the day and and again i was a big ecw fan so there's a certain kind of thing i like i like and don't get me wrong it doesn't mean i like to see guys hurt themselves or do spots that are ridiculous it does not mean that but it means that I'm used to a certain kind of pacing and action, action like the the walking around the ring, the you know the chop fest and the slow work at the beginning of the ring, and seeing guys really shaking off the ring rust. It's just not something I'm really interested in seeing. So, a lot of indie performers um, that are working that style, more of the southern style wrestling, as I like to call yeah. it. Yeah, it just doesn't really do it for me very much anymore. Um, but you know, to each his own. There's stuff out there for me. You know, I can watch. 
Lucha Underground. I can watch New Japan. I can watch AAA. I can watch, you know, NXT. Those are the kind of things I, I dig a little bit more. TNA, I used to really like TNA. I just don't like uh, these days. Eh. There's only so much you can watch. Eh. Yeah, but you but you look at. But like, I also feel like that about SmackDown. SmackDown is meh, and I love more of Nala's commentary. They yeah. actually have some good matches on there. Just something about that show, I can't do it. Well, can't do SmackDown. Anything, anything significant that would happen on SmackDown would be done again on the following Monday. Well, they have to. They have to, and that's their big three-hour live show where everybody's got to cut a forty-minute promo or whatever. So that yeah, you, you, and you can't keep the spoilers off the internet for. SmackDown. So, but what that used to mean for SmackDown is that the match quality had to be a certain it, level. It was a better show uh, when Heyman was running it. It yeah. was a much better show. And, you know, sometimes I'll see a spoiler that will make me want to watch SmackDown. And that's yeah, the only reason absolutely. I'll watch it or watch a segment of it. Well, and they got me to come in for a couple of the AJ matches and for Morrow doing commentary and stuff like that. Like, yeah. I, I've watched more SmackDown recently than I would like to admit. Um, so, well, I got to move on from the wrestling, but there, there's just a ton of stuff going on in MMA world right now. I was going to kind of get into that uh, with Casey here, but Casey had to leave. So I'm going to kind of fly a little bit solo here. We'll, we'll let Byron talk a little bit if he's got some interesting things to say. Do you have interesting things to say? Probably not. All right. Well, good. So is the UFC for sale? Like, oh. wow, this is the one that has been going around this week. And there's big, there's other big, like what have, would have been earth shattering MMA stories this week, like Anderson Silva and Conor McGregor and Mayweather, this, that, and the other thing. But is the UFC for sale? Like every week with the UFC right now, there's just some huge, ridiculous thing going on. Uh, Dana White came out and said that the reports weren't completely true. Here's what I'm going to say. The UFC is for sale. Everything in America is for sale. You you buy low, you sell high. They bought the UFC for $2 million, which at the time was like, why are these guys wasting their money? People thought that they were crazy. They thought the UFC was just going to die on the hill. That it was going to get banned everywhere. Senator McCain was messing with it. Like it just, it didn't seem like it was, it was, I mean, for the price, it was fine. And I think that's why they did it. Dana, you know, pushed his buddies with their deep pockets, the Fertitta brothers, and everyone says, oh, well, the Fertitas want to get out anywhere and buy an NFL team, this, that, and the other thing. People, they cannot buy an NFL team. They own casinos. It's against the rules for owners to own casinos and own NFL teams. Look it up, people. Like, I, there's so many really, really smart MMA fans out there. Y'all don't know shit about other sports. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. The Fertitas are not buying an NFL team anytime soon. Now, maybe if a team comes to Vegas or some things change, but that is a whole bigger process. That is not going to be overnight. They're not looking to get out of MMA to buy a football team. If anything, they'd be looking to get out of casinos to buy a football team. And even then, it, they have so many ties, it might be difficult. And those are big revenue streams. Why would you get rid of casinos to buy a sports team? Sports teams don't make money. They're huge football fans, just like they're huge MMA fans. The Fertitas love, 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 love the NFL. They're big, big, big fans of the sport. But at the same time, yeah, folks, it's it's not likely. So here's the deal. Uh, William Morris Endeavor, whatever, MG, that whatever, how many letters are in that freaking agency now? They may have put in a bid. The, the report came out on ESPN, basically, that, you know, this was going down. So um, that there was credible interest in buying the UFC. Then numbers start getting circulated of $3.5 to $4 billion 
for the purchase of UFC. Not million, billion. So we're talking a pretty huge markup. Dana White with his 9% share of just 9% of the UFC, he would stand to make like $400 million. Does does Dana White leave the equation if it gets sold? Well, that's, and that's one of the big questions. The answer to that is no. Um, And there's where the real story is. People, I've said this before, the truth is in the middle. Um, I don't think someone's going to buy outright the UFC. And even if they did, uh, I think that you would still see maybe a board scenario or something that kept at least Dana around, if not also Lorenzo. Um, you know, and Lorenzo is a guy who, who gave up some of his casino interests and, and stuff that he was doing so he could work more with the UFC because it was finally becoming lucrative and he did and he does love the sport and the product. Dana and Lorenzo are guys, you have to understand, are fans of this sport um, for whatever business decisions and they're businessmen too. You may not like the stuff that they've done. Dana was an old boxing guy. I mean, this is a guy that he would be nothing without the UFC. He had a great idea. He had buddies with deep pockets who also loved the sport and they pushed it to another level for better or for worse. Whatever you think of how he runs the business now, you would not be an MMA fan if it weren't for Dana White. There's a certain thing that is owed to him for that. And he's still that kind of guy. Now, $400 million changes a whole lot of things for anyone. Everything is for sale. So Dana says, if somebody is out, like Dana says, no, we're not selling the company. But if somebody's out there with $4 million, get at me, you know, which makes sense. I think that what's happening is they're trying to get a valuation for the company. They want people to maybe put in a high bid um, that they're not going to really entertain. If they get the company valued at $4 billion, what I believe you'll see then is uh, CMC, the, the Chinese media conglomerate or whatever they are, and Wanda, who's owned by the richest man in China, one of the richest men in the world, um, who has invested in FIFA and other sports. Um, he runs a company called Wanda. What I think you'll see happen is they will buy a portion of the company and then they will also in turn help the company expand into China and Asian markets more solidly. That is actually the best case scenario for all of us. Um, if you look at what the movie industry is doing, and Wanda's done a lot of investing there too. If you look at what the movie industry is doing now and the kind of money that movies are making over there, um, I think the UFC will be a great sport, especially on mobile. I think that UFC Fight Pass over there uh, with the right kind of push and backing over there can really make big dollars. Uh, you're talking about a hundred billion, or you're talking about a billion people that could bring revenue to you with a monthly subscription. And like the the people in China aren't rich, but the things that they like, you know, and access to, this is the time to get in on the ground floor. NFL can't do this. NBA can't do this. Other sports in our country can't do this. This could set UFC apart. There are countries like Brazil where UFC is going this weekend where you have two sports. You have soccer or football as it's rightfully called because it's played with your fucking feet um, or fighting, combat sports. I mean, that's what you have in Brazil. There's a reason why this Brazil card this weekend is so freaking huge is because they don't have shit else to watch. (laughs) And all of their superstars of this one sport are going to be there. I'll talk about that in a minute. So is the UFC for sale? Kind of. I think is the real answer. I think what you're going to see is I think Lorenzo and Frank will probably sell off a portion of UFC 
to a bidder. I think the hype that's out there right now, and again, just like I was saying with the Evolve thing, if people are talking about it, and you have Dana publicly talking about it, when he's got a huge pay-per-view this weekend that could use a little bit more of a rub in America, but yet he's still talking about this, he's addressing it, he's going on Kevin and Bean, he's going on Dan Patrick's show. He is trying to get the numbers up. There's an, there's an NDA that he signed about the deals. They all do that. It's for their own protection. You don't want certain numbers and financials getting out there. You don't want all of this a matter of public record. So he can't just flat out say it. But by building this up, keeping this story going this week in the media, hopefully he's trying to push one of these groups to throw a slightly higher number out there. This is business, people. Absolutely, the UFC is entertaining some kind of either business partnership or selling a stake in the company. They're not going to sell the whole company outright. Doesn't make sense quite yet. Even though they're at the top of the game, it's a very valuable product right now. Um, and it's a little scary to think they might lose Connor or some of these other guys. But look, they made a lot of money this year. They made four or five hundred, no, six hundred million dollars. Three or four more years of that, you get up in your billions as it is. You know, so if you're making six hundred million profit, it is a good time to sell. But it's also a good time to try to build it a little bit more and maybe leverage some of the company, cash in a little bit, get a little bit of money and then keep riding it out for a little bit longer. You know, Dana's paychecks are huge. He's got plenty of money. He's really rich. So I'll leave it at that. But I think that, um, you know, there's definitely a reason when you hear Dana White talking about stuff, even if you look back at the Conor McGregor situation, he wasn't the one who was talking about that then. He wasn't talking first. You know, Conor talked first, and he only addressed it when he absolutely had to because Conor wasn't going to show up at that press conference. That's the only reason why you got Dana talking about that. I don't think he wanted to talk about that one because it was something he was trying to keep under the rug. He's talking about this because he wants people to know that money is being thrown their way. It's that simple. Now, speaking of Conor McGregor, and I don't know if you heard about this or not, this was story came out that uh, there were talks of Conor McGregor McGregor fighting Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, I heard about that. That's crazy, right? Yeah, but it's also like this guy is making himself such a mainstream attraction. Well, and that's what it is, people. And don't forget, first of all, Floyd Mayweather, you know, don't get out of the MMA bubble, get out of your your combat sports bubble and remember the fact that Floyd Mayweather is the highest paid athlete in the world. And the way that you yeah. do that is you have to have a certain amount of hype going on. In boxing, there's really nothing left. Is he going to fight Pacquiao again? Maybe. And he's semi-retired right now. Uh, getting that 50th fight would be a, a milestone for him, and everyone thought that at some point he would do that. I believe that he will do that. And I say, why not Conor McGregor? Oh, for Conor, that's the fight that he should go for because, one, he's going to beat him up. But, two, I mean... You're, you're not fighting really to win as much as you're fighting for that payday. Well, and, and that, that's what I'm saying. It, yeah. here, so here's the way I see that this could go down, people, before we get into the practicality of the situation, which is a nightmare. If Connor fights Mayweather, I believe it's going to be pretty close to boxing rules for Mayweather to do it at this point in time. Now, if mm. it was going to be something more than that, that would come second. Um, first of all, boxing... Uh, Floyd will will see boxing as safer, especially for him the way his career has been. Mm-hmm. And a guy that rich, he is the one who can do the the stipulation setting to a certain point because oh, he's, he's the, the bigger, bigger he's the bigger star. And I, and 
Maybe, maybe not. To a certain extent, he he's going to be the better paid star. He's the guy who can draw more as a star. Mm-hmm. And Connor draws huge, but we'll get into that. So yeah. it would be a boxing fight, which means most likely Conor McGregor would lose because you're taking away <clears throat> half of his skills. Not that Conor's great on the ground anyway, but you'd probably be taking away kicks. You'd be taking away positioning. You'd be taking away the thin gloves. He's never knocked somebody out with a, a, an eight or 10 ounce glove or whatever. He's using four ounce gloves. Um, oh, and just throwing the heavier gloves too <clears throat> for round Yeah, round. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure Conor does plenty of boxing and boxing gloves. Most MMA fighters do. But at the same time, it's different when you're in there going against one of the world's best. I would imagine a fight like that would be Floyd Mayweather staying away from Conor, especially when he's got energy, taking him into deeper rounds. And keep in mind that even with shorter rounds, this is more rounds. Conor would have to be up on his bicycle for a long time. And we saw in the last fight how he gassed. Yeah. Uh, they'd have to work out something to make the weights work out right. But you could absolutely have this match. You absolutely could. Floyd would win, and then Connor would just talk shit for the rest of his career about how in an MMA fight it wouldn't have gone down that way, so he'll still get the rub there, and he won't lose that much face in losing in a pure boxing fight to Floyd, and they will both cash these biggest, stupidest checks you have ever yeah. imagined. It would be bigger than any of Floyd's fights uh, a lot of boxing purists hate this because of that fact, but I'm here to tell you, Floyd Mayweather fights Conor McGregor. It is the biggest pay-per-view of all time. It is the biggest sporting event for a long time to come. It will make more money than anyone has ever seen on pay-per-view. That'd be huge. Um, is is Mayweather under contract to anyone? <clears throat> no, his Showtime contract is up. He's pretty much his own promotions. Most people think that if he was going to do something like this, he'd still have to go back through Showtime. Connor, however, and this is where it gets tricky, yeah. is under a combat contract with UFC. So Dana White has said, um, if that's the case, and by the way, people, this this whole thing is not made up. People thought that this was a, uh, it might be a little bit of a troll job, but Floyd Mayweather himself, his father talked about it first and kind of slipped and said, oh, Connor would beat that, or, or Floyd would beat that man, Connor, and blah, blah, blah. His, his dad said some stuff that kind of acknowledged that Floyd had been talking about it. Connor put out his poster showing what the fight poster would look like to kind of uh-huh. amp things up. And believe me, Connor loves this. This is all helping him out with his negotiation, what he's trying to do right now. It keeps him relevant. It shows Dana White that regardless of, him being pulled or slapped on the wrist or whatever that Dana is going to have to reckon with Connor at some point in time, because Connor means money, big money, especially when we're talking about things like this, when we're talking about Connor versus GSP, Connor versus Nate, Connor versus now a boxer, Floyd Mayweather. We're talking about, these are the things that will draw the biggest money period. Dana cannot ignore that as much as he wants to stay a purist to his sport. He cannot ignore this big money stuff. So basically where it stands and then Dana says, no, no, it couldn't happen. Floyd, call me if you want something like that to happen. And then, uh, you know, Dana was asked very directly on Dan Patrick and I think on Kevin and Bean here in L.A. Um, so would UFC be part of this fight? And Dana was basically saying it'd be under our umbrella. Not necessarily entirely true. Um, Showtime and, and Mayweather Productions could basically do a co-venture with you know, and, and this has happened plenty of times in the past with Golden Boy and Don King Productions. Various. This is a boxing thing. You get one fighter from one promotion, you get another fighter from another promotion. It's not the way the UFC works because they're both a promoter and a league. But for something like this, 
Yeah, you do it under both banners. You either pay a flat fee to get the fighter. Like, you know, with what Floyd Mayweather makes for a fight, they could say, here's $100 million. Give me Conor McGregor. UFC and Conor can fight over how they split up the money. We don't care. You give me the fighter for a fight because that's what I want my 50th fight to be. And Floyd's the guy that can do that. Floyd does call Dana up and say, hey, I do want to actually do this fight. It's a special attraction. Um, what, what, what's your number? Let's talk numbers. What do we do? Because I'm getting paid a fortune and I know I'm going to beat your guy. It's, it becomes almost a no-brainer for everyone at that point. Everyone thinks this might be ridiculous. I think the, the scary part is this might not be ridiculous. Yeah. There's a lot of money on the table here. When you look at the, the situation itself is pretty out there, but when you look at how much money that could be brought in, it seems like the obvious, obvious choice. Yeah, it kind of does. Now, I think there might be a layer of of protection for Connor right now. Um, I think Dana would want to see a few things played out first. I believe Dana sees this as something for maybe late next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but people don't think that this couldn't happen. Don't think that Floyd's people and Connor's people haven't talked either because uh, I think they have. Mm-hmm. And and in fact, you know, Connor hyping it up a little bit and just feeding into it doesn't hurt him at all, especially with his current situation. And he's supposed to talk to Dana White this week, by the way, guys, to figure out what's happening or, or early next week. Um, it's just very interesting. Keep an eye on it. Uh, it. It really, really could happen. There's a lot of ways, surprisingly, that it makes sense. Now, don't get your hopes up because one of those ways that it makes sense is not Connor McGregor beating Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> MMA fans, this is my love letter to you telling you right now, I'm sorry I'm breaking up with you, but Conor McGregor does not beat Floyd Mayweather in any version of this fight that they set up because Floyd Mayweather will never do full contact MMA. Your best bet is that maybe there's some kind of kickboxing or stand-up only type rules where Conor can still throw some leg kicks or something that might like leave it in his favor, but I really, really doubt that. The cool thing could be is if it actually happens in an octagon and not a ring, but it's still yeah. a boxing match. Why would Mayweather pick any kind of fight that he would lose at this point in his he, career? He, he absolutely wouldn't. I mean, he, he he did his fight against Pacquiao like well beyond their prime. Well, a lot of people have you know? also said, though, that, that maybe if he did it under other rules, that it does protect his legacy as a boxer, so it wouldn't matter. But it's, it's and honestly, not with so the payday, much... does it matter? Who cares if he loses? Well, I wouldn't what care about his next payday if he goes into an MMA match or some sort but of... But again, his next payday would be back against Pacquiao or another fighter. So it wouldn't... Another boxer, I mean. So it wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't matter. Like, I just think that everyone is so protected in the overall grand scheme of this thing. Everyone in the world would look at it as a special attraction. It's like UFC 1 where you go back to, oh, can a sumo wrestler beat a Muay Thai guy? And, you know, this yeah. is the... The, the 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 art versus art, except we're not going to do open rules like the first UFC. We're, we'll, there will be rules to protect we're Floyd. Not, even the, the officials in the first UFCs didn't know how the fights would go. I remember Nobody watching knew. Shamrock <laughs> tap a guy out, and the ref was like, Looking at Shamrock, like, going, is that why are you end? holding his foot? <laughs> like nobody knew if that was the end of that match. It was great. Like, yeah. and then the Hoist Gracie things too is like, can is, he can choke with his clothing? What are we doing here? Do, do, yeah. Are you allowed to do that? And it was just like no one knew. There weren't any rules. They were making him up. Yeah. Um, but it would. I just. I don't. 
My personal opinion is I think Mayweather is really big about his brand. His brand is him being a winner uh, with stacks and stacks of money. Uh, he did WWE. He didn't uh, against their biggest guy, and he didn't look bad or look vulnerable kind of the whole time. They did an entertaining thing, but more or less, you know, he was he looked like the champ that he is. His fight style doesn't put him up to really get beat up too much, I don't think. Yeah, no, I mean, he's going to, dude, he he will stay away from Connor. He won't go anywhere near that man. Yeah. Um, he'll dance around. That'd be the smart thing to do. And and then he'll try to connect and point him out after maybe the third or fourth round. I don't even know if he'll care if he wins the first few rounds. He'll let everyone be excited that maybe Connor is pressing forward and maybe Connor's jabbing with a real boxer or something like that. And, and you get a little bit of that. People will be like, oh, man, Connor's got a chance, Connor's got a chance. And then he'll just start sticking and moving on him in the later rounds and embarrassing Connor as a boxer. And yeah. I mean, no, no MMA guy, no MMA guy is a boxing level like Floyd Mayweather. As oh. much as I don't like some of Floyd's fights and they bore the shit out of me, yeah. but not a single MMA guy is a boxing level where Floyd Mayweather At is. At some point, you won't, you're not going to be able to throw a punch or keep your guard up. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just going to happen. And, yeah. and Connor will keep his hands a little too low. I mean, he's not, unless he starts sparring with world class boxers overnight, mm-hmm. like, you know, and who's even that going to be? You know what I mean? It's just, again, it would go down a certain way. So, other UFC news to get to this weekend Pride of Cleveland, Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight title, headlining in Brazil. It's going to be great. And wait a minute. I've missed 10 million other Brazilians that are on this card. But all I care about, I'm from Cleveland originally, people. And Stipe Miocic is on this card. And I'm calling it right now. He will be the heavyweight champion of the world. Will be Stipe Miocic. He will upset the world in front of 40,000 people when he beats Fabricio Verdum. And yes, it's pronounced Verdum, not Wordum. (laughs) I've heard people on the radio and like non MMA people calling him Wordum all week. It just makes my skin crawl. I have a question. Um, yeah, some... hold, your mic sounds funny. So oh. it's, it's in that mode. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I, I messed it up. Um, I'm not a huge knowledgeable MMA person, um, but one of the first things that, that I was taught was when you're watching like UFC or watching a show, you always bet on the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu guy. Well, and, and a lot of people are going to do that. I think Verdum's coming into this fight as a favorite. Yeah. Um, and not only is he a jiu-jitsu guy. Dude, uh, by the way, Fabrizio Verdum is one of my favorite, favorite fighters of all time. I sat next to him and Tom Atencio on a plane coming back, uh, who was the guy who used to run Affliction, uh, on a plane coming back from Sturgis one weekend. And I was wearing all my tap-out stuff because I used to work on a, a TV <laughs> show with those guys. So it was really, really weird. And I'm like, I cannot believe I'm in full tap-out and I'm sitting next to the owner of Affliction. This is so fucked <laughs> But uh, Tom was sitting in the middle seat and Fabricio was on the outside seat. There was no first class available coming out of Sturgis because it was after the, the big bike rally and every seat on every plane was full. Um, and I'm just sitting there and I'm talking it up with those guys. It was so weird that the three of us were in the same row and uh, Hanato Babalu was uh, behind us. And uh, Verdum's English wasn't as good back then. Um, but we were just talking. And he was just the nicest guy in the world. 
Uh, I was really stoked when he beat Fedor. Uh, I I actually actually won a little bit of money when he won the belt. <laughs> I'm not a huge gambler, um, you know, but it was great. I love him, and I can't believe he's got to face my favorite fighter, Steve Miocic. It's a shame. <laughs> Uh, Pride of Cleveland is going to demolish him. <laughs> and hopefully whenever Stipe retires, then Fabricio can have the belt back. Um, no, but I'm actually serious. There's some keys here that people think will think is crazy. But here's how Stipe can win this fight. Stipe is a better boxer, though Verdum has been putting hands on fools. He put hands all over Kane. Um, he, he, he knows how to box now. Um, and it's amazing because that was part of what was missing. He was a great jujitsu guy. He kind of embarrassed Fedor, uh, you know, or surprised him with some jujitsu. But he can he can throw hands now. Stipe still better. Stipe is also very underrated as a wrestling. You don't see it very much. Why? Because Stipe's knocking people the fuck out all the goddamn time. You never even really get to see his wrestling. He's got kind of a a Chuck Liddell style uh, sprawl and brawl. He's going to be really hard to put hands on. Um, I think what is in Fabricio's favor is the championship rounds. If this fight goes long, maybe Fabricio can pull it off. I would not. I would not expect to see a quick victory from Fabricio in this fight. If Fabricio wins, I say it's fourth, fifth round or decision. Uh, Stipe wins. I'd imagine it'd be the first couple of rounds. I think, however, Fabricio's faith in his hands right now is going to lead him into a place where he doesn't want to be with Stipe. I think the hype of being in front of 45,000 Brazilians, because this fight's in Brazil, um, is actually not in Fabricio's favor. I think it's going to get him hyped up to try to put his hands on Stipe, and I think that's a mistake. I think Stipe can outbox him, and he can win this fight very early. So my official prediction is Stipe Miocic by TKO in the late second round. I'm going to be that specific with it. I think he'll beat him. I think he'll hit him, knock him down. Fabricio won't go out. He'll jump on him, ground and pound him late in the second round, maybe around four minutes and 21 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my very, 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 very specific prediction for this fight. Um, I'm an idiot from Cleveland, though, so uh, you don't have to put your money where my mouth is. (laughs) Um, That being said, this card is almost bigger than UFC 200. If you know, like Byron said, people are always telling him, bet on the Brazilian who knows jiu-jitsu. Every single one <laughs> of them is on this freaking card. Yeah. And I think it's going under the radar. I think this is a better card, especially with Conor McGregor not being on UFC 200, than UFC 200 is. You've got um, Jacare versus uh, Vitor Belfort, which is a barn burner. Like Vitor on the feet is fire. Jacare on the ground is fire. Like, if Jacare can get close, this thing's going to be nasty. But Vitor's got some ground skills, too. And the real question, I think, for that match is, is the non-TRT version of Vitor Belfort going to be able to keep up with a, a in the prime of his career, Jacare Sosa? We'll see. Um, either way, I'm happy to pay money to watch it because mm-hmm. those are two top Brazilian stars facing off with each other. Um and Jacare, when he swings, like he's got stand up too. He is all hips. He puts his hips into it. He just turns. It's like one of those old He-Man figures where the torso just whips <laughs> around. And he could he could potentially knock out Vitor too because I think Vitor will be trying to work high head kicks and stuff like that, and it'll put him right in range. So I expect there to be fireworks. Um, 
You've got Chris Cyborg finally making her UFC debut against wow. Leslie Smith. Leslie Smith fucking asked for this fight, people. Why? What's wrong with her? She hangs out with the Diaz brothers. She trains with the Diaz brothers. And right. I'm here to tell you, up, up north here in Cali... The sanity level of these fighters is in a different place, man. <laughs> if you've ever encountered the Diaz's or anybody even from their camp, these people like to fight. They like to scrap. They just want to get in there and get ugly. Nobody asks for a fight from a fighter who demolishes almost every one of their opponents in the first round. Chris Cyborg is a beast. Leslie Smith's got to go up five pounds. It's at a catch weight of 140. UFC got tired of waiting around to see if she was going to cut uh, down to 135. Ronda Rousey's not around right now anyway, which was the fight they were saving Chris Cyborg for. So Dana White and the boys just said, fuck it. We're putting her on the Brazil card. We'll do it at a catch weight so she doesn't have to come all the way down to 135. But maybe it'll prime her to do that later. Let's get Chris Cyborg in the mix. Um, and there's other fights out there for Chris Cyborg. And, and, and I'll get to one of those in a minute. But that's a great fight uh, also. I don't really give Leslie a huge chance, but damn, she's so scrappy. She really, maybe she's the one that could expose something in Chris Cyborg that we've never seen before. Maybe mm-hmm. she could put hands on her. Maybe she can dance and move faster than Chris. I don't know. Maybe the jitters get to Chris, but Chris can be at home in Brazil fighting in her first UFC. Uh, I expect that to be fireworks. Um, I, I really think that Chris Cyborg's probably going to try to put Leslie's face into the front row. She's going to make a statement. I mean, she... It's her and, and Rhonda really like proving who's the best and they they're not in the same weight class, right? So Well like, they're not now. They're not now. And and they both have something to prove. Rhonda's got her one loss now and she's gonna have to come back and prove that she's still got something. Yeah. Chris Cyborg's been fighting in Invicta, which really hasn't been giving her the top caliber opponents. So yeah, she's been knocking everyone the fuck out, but since Gina Carano, who's Cyborg fought? Who is like, Gina Carano? Gina is just somewhere being hot. Yeah. Oh. No, I mean, they've teased her Trump coming back. I heard Randy Couture talking recently about it, and, and it's just like, if Gina wants to come back, she could, but, you know, she she's in Deadpool or making money, and, like... She wasn't good in Deadpool. I loved it. Yeah? Maybe there's something wrong with me, but I have a thing for Gina Carano. I mean, I She like... looked a little, little beefy on the American Gladiator side. She looked a little bigger than when last <laughs> I saw her, but... I, don't, I, I like her a lot, but I thought that she didn't do, really do anything in a movie where a lot of people were doing stuff. Well, I don't think she was supposed to. I think she was supposed to be this the big, intimidating bruiser yeah. character, bodyguard, um, a, a part normally reserved for a man. I think they just threw it on her, and it, nice. it gave Negasonic something to deal with, too, and it was, it was fine. Yeah. You look at that, and you go, okay, well, that payday probably kept her out of the octagon or ring for another, like, Yeah, I mean, here's the thing people don't understand this. People are like, oh, these fighters in movies, like, look, she's not the highest paid fighter in a movie, but what is the most she ever got paid for a fight? $200,000? Yeah. Maybe. Uh-huh. I guarantee she got more than that for this movie. 500 to a million probably. Oh, to stand around in the background. The, what kind of residuals? Because yeah. she's, you know, she, I don't know how many lines she even had, but she's a name. She's a face. Yeah. And I'm just, so people don't quite necessarily understand it. Like, why would you not be the biggest fighter in the world for some little side part in a superhero movie? Because the the work that you have to put in for the amount of money that you get is just not in the same ballpark. You have to do a lot of work for half of the paycheck, even if you're a top star. Like, the only people getting that movie star money in MMA 
are your GSPs, maybe Chuck Liddell with all of his sponsorship and extra stuff outside of the ring he had to do because his in-ring guarantee wasn't that much. Um, maybe a Fedor, you know, pulling in these pay-per-views where he owns part of it. Um, Connor, uh, GSP, like I can't even think of that many more who have really hit those huge numbers. You know, Nate Diaz in the last Connor fight with Connor. Um, you know, Robbie Lawler's not getting that kind of money, and he's a, a champion putting on the most exciting fights in MMA ever. He's not making that kind of money. Like if he got offered a movie part tomorrow, I would I would hope to God I would never see uh, Robbie Lawler in a ring again if he got offered a movie part because. <laughs> He could make a whole lot more money doing a whole lot less damage to his face and brain uh, that he has to do to make his paycheck. Like fighters don't get paid all that much, people, um, yeah. especially with the current Reebok deal and other things going on. So um, that's another fight you got on there. Then you got a Shogun Hua fight. It's Corey Anderson. You got Warley Alves, Brian Barberina. Um, now, sadly, uh, Anderson Silva was scheduled to fight Uriah Hall, which was one of the most exciting fights on the card. It's still a huge card even without that, but Anderson Silva, totally fine, doing UFC embedded, doing training camps. Everyone's watching him on video like two days ago. Everything's fine. Then that night, apparently, uh, he went to two different hospitals, had a gallbladder situation, had emergency surgery. Um, He's apparently okay and should be able to continue fighting, but this is a guy, he's my age, I won't say how old that is, but it's too old to be a professional athlete for too much longer, especially <laughs> with a robot shin or calf. And, and you probably have half no a more than five years left in your career. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Your fighting career. Um, but anyway, so it's a sad story, you know. Uh, speedy recovery to Anderson. I know he wanted to get in there after the Bisbing thing, and 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 especially in Brazil, it would have almost completely erased the Bisbing thing. It would have been a win-win for everybody to get Anderson in there with Uriah Hall. I would assume that he would probably win that, but Uriah Hall's got some amazing flashy stuff. It would have been really cool to see Anderson Silva doing his bobbing and ducking and weaving and his rope-a-dope kind of style with Uriah Hall's crazy, flashy, never-know-what's-going-to-come-next, risky style. And we've seen it pay off for Uriah Hall. We've seen it be a complete catastrophe. Those my friends are the kind of fighters you want and you want to see them succeed enough so that they keep getting big fights, even if they don't win, because they're going to make it exciting. Just like Robbie Lawler, Robbie Lawler lost a few fights back in the day, but it's what's made him into the exciting fighter. He is now because he is a go for broke fighter. I think Uriah Hall has the ability to be that guy. Sadly, we're not going to see that this week. Uh, cause that fight fell off the card. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the Fight Pass headliner, which is Little Nog versus Pat Cummings. Pat Cummins, I should say. Um, and I'm going to say this about this fight. I think Pat Cummins wins. I know a lot of... This is another one, like, yeah, he's not going to walk into Brazil and beat a legend. It's Little Nog, first of all, um, who is a legend, but not quite like his brother. People get them confused way too often. But I think that... I think that Pat Cummins, his wrestling... And his ability to put hands on Little Nog with his wrestling is actually possibly going to get the job done. And I think this might be the chance for Pat Cummins to actually become a bona fide UFC star. Uh, Little Nog's getting pretty far up there in his career, too. He's been around a long time, and he's susceptible. And I think his chins softened a little bit. I think him and his brother, I think their chins are are not quite what they used to be. And if if on the ground Pat can put his hands on him, I think it's it's a big deal. Um, 
Last thing I'm going to touch on very quickly before we get out of here. The last UFC was amazing. If you didn't watch it, uh, it didn't seem like on paper that it was going to be that good, but it was huge. And the Dutch went crazy for their own. It was in uh, Rotterdam, Holland. Uh, Jermaine Durandamy got a huge win, um, not because her opponent was huge, Anna Elmos, but because um, it was at home. She is bred of this Dutch kickboxing thing. That's her thing. I think the crowd might have even popped more for her than other Dutch superstars that were there. It was huge. I think she could be the next opponent for Cyborg also. She was talked about for the Cyborg fight, but she really wanted to fight on this card at home. Um, that would be another good one to do at a catchweight of 140. Jermaine cuts quite a bit to get to the 135. So I would love to see that fight. Stefan Struve, the skyscraper, also demolished Bigfoot Silva. And again, Dutch kickboxing. So the crowd's going crazy. He's de- demolishing him with the Muay Thai knees and, and really a kickboxing style in front of the home crowd. I love it when UFC does these events on the road and then they're able to showcase what that country loves about their fighting. It's the same thing with the first card in, in Ireland where all these Irish fighters went over and it was really these brawling Irish kind of fights too and it was really giving the crowd what they want. And you can't plan some of this stuff because then the second Dublin card was not that and like half the Irish fighters lost and <laughs> it was not pretty. And, you know, fights fell apart. But, you know, this was a big success uh, in, in Rotterdam. Um, so Stefan Struve also went over and then the big man, Alistair Overeem beats up Andre Olavsky. It settles the whole inner gym feud. Remember these two guys are the same camp, but Andre was the one who came in with all the coaches and, and, uh, Alistair kind of had some other people. Um, but Alistair won. I kind of expected him to win. It settles the Jackson's gym battle. I think Arlovsky still has one, one or two more chances to come back maybe put another fight or two under his belt and uh, hopefully go out on top. I wanted Alistair to win this, though, because I feel like he's a name that if we put him in against Stipe, who's going to win this fight, or Verdum if somehow he pulls it off, I think that would be a great title fight after 198, maybe 206, 207, somewhere down the line. Um, And then another fight that really impressed me was Gunnar Nelson over previously undefeated Albert Tumanov. Most people thought Albert was going to win this fight. I had Gunnar pick to win this fight, but only if the real Gunnar Nelson was going to come back again. And he did. And I actually think that this Gunnar Nelson that we got in this fight was better than the best Gunnar Nelson we've seen yet. Now, he's a training partner with Conor McGregor. And with all the hubbub that went down with them not coming to the press conference and whatnot... Part of it was because Connor was helping Gunner train for this fight. And hopefully Gunner's training back with him because the things that Gunner Nelson did in this fight are the things that Connor McGregor needs to do to beat Nate Diaz when and if that fight happens down the line. It's the wrestling that Gunner did. It's the overall package. It's the learning how to play the distance on the outside. And Gunner's body movements looked more like Connor's in this fight. So, and Gunner's also in the same weight class that Nate is. I hope to God. Somewhere behind closed doors, John Kavanaugh has Connor and Gunner going together. And I hope that that's part of why Connor didn't want to show up for that press was because he was helping Gunner get ready for this fight because it worked. Whatever those guys are doing at SBG for this fight, for this Gunner Nelson, I want to see them do with the rest of the team. I want to see them do it with Connor because clearly this is a fighter to be reckoned with. Tumanov was no joke. That guy should have walked through Gunnar Nelson and was not able to do it. Gunnar humiliated him. 
Love that fight. Um, in other news, BJ Penn is now fighting Cole Miller instead of Dennis Seaver. I hate that for BJ Penn. Cole Miller has a range and a reach that is just not good for BJ Penn. It's disgusting. I hate it. It's a terrible comeback fight for BJ. Um, it scares me. I just don't, I liked the Dennis Seaver fight way better. I thought it would be scrappy, fun fight. I don't think this fight's even going to be fun. I don't like how it's going to look in my mind. It's just really, it's a much, much worse matchup. And I don't think it does much for Cole. I mean, I know Cole needs a big name under his belt. Maybe it does really help Cole. I just don't think it helps BJ at all. Not the fight I wanted to see. Um, And the final bit of news for this week, Ultimate Fighter, the next Ultimate Fighter is going to be Flyweights. We already heard that the winner is probably going to face Demetrius Johnson, the champion. Um, The two twists that were released information-wise this week are that they're going to do 16 fighters. They're going to sign them into the division, it looks like. And they're not going to make them fight to get in the house. These the, the 16 fighters that are announced will just go into the house and then they will be trained. And then the winner of this whole thing gets to fight DJ. The really, really strange part about it is the two coaches are now Joseph Benavidez and Henry Cejudo. Two guys who have been pretty well picked apart by the champion Demetrius Johnson. So you've got two guys who failed to beat this guy who are now going to be training the next 16 guys who are going to try to beat this guy. I don't know if it makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. All I know is now you're definitely creating a, a boiler, a hot pot of all the flyweights together in one room, basically all trying to get to DJ at some point in time. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of unique. I don't entirely understand it. Uh, it. It's a weird, weird thing. So either it will kind of rejuvenate the division or maybe it'll kill it once and for all. I don't know. <laughs> Um, that's it for me. You got anything else you want to talk about this week, Byron? Uh, I think you raised a lot of good points. I agree with, uh, most of them. Um, I think though we should revisit, um, Casey, uh, and just, just go over the fact that he's a bitch. Who's Casey? Oh, empty chair. Empty chair. Casey, if you are not a bitch, you have, uh, now to speak your case. I'm going with bitch. All right. Well, that's it's straight from his mouth. He didn't. Yeah, he did. You could have spoken up for yourself, Casey. You were on the podcast today. You could have said something for yourself. But... Surprised he didn't say anything about all the MMA stuff you're talking about. Yeah, you know, I was really hoping to talk, uh, get a lot of good input from him about all this exciting MMA stuff because he's a big MMA fan. And um, yeah, he just sat there and ate all the cookies he brought. Yeah. for us. It's a shame I couldn't get uh, Vinny here because Vinny would have really, really. Um, lit him on fire for, for doing this to us again. Shout out to Vinny. Yeah, Vinny, we got to get you back on the show. Maybe I'll have Byron record a segment for you for next week's show if you're in town tonight while I'm otherwise preoccupied, as always. Vinny's going to kill me one of these days, man. Every time he comes to town, I'm like nowhere to be found. He like totally broke me out with it, with an Ultima yeah. Lucha ticket last year when I didn't sign up soon enough. And like... Yeah. He's totally been a bro and saved me on the podcast a couple times. And then like every time he's in town, it's like, I can't go out. I can't come out and play. I'm so sorry. And I knew, I wasn't even at the Saturday taping last time when he was he was actually at Lucha Underground for the Saturday tape. And I couldn't even go that day. I'm, I suck almost as much as Casey. I'm so sorry, Vinny. Well, hanging out with Casey always makes you feel better about yourself. Yeah. But I do, I do consider, you know, Vinny kind of the, the unofficial fourth co-host of this show. He was our very first guest, and he's, he's always been a big, uh, mm-hmm. big supporter of ours. And so we support him right back. And then, you know, 
our, our last Real Heels buddies. Urban wants to come on the show at some point in time, too. Urban, I got to get Urban on the show. Hey, we got to do... What we got to do is we got to do like a, a joint thing. I want Urban where, to talk video games with Casey. Yeah. But this here's what we do, though. We, we, we just all get together and like do something, and then we actually put it out as opposed to the last time um uh g-man was in town and we recorded something and then just never did anything oh you guys are the worst you guys need me see because you need me standing over all of you just like saying no get, we have to do this now well, we will do this now we listen and we will record it and it will be good and we will put it out we recorded it saturday and then we listened to it on sunday and uh, thought you know oh the levels are really good hey this will be really funny and then uh it's just still on someone's ipad who isn't doing anything anymore oh i see how that works yeah uh maybe i can get him to email me that file because he doesn't hate me like he hates everyone else yeah <laughs> yeah wait no because then yeah. we'd be getting the rub and he wouldn't uh no we'll make him come back and do it one of these days but yeah. you know hey maybe they'll come to town for ultima lucha and we'll do Maybe everyone will be here. Maybe we'll get like every Lucha podcaster together for one giant gangbang podcast. Like maybe we can get. We'll put one mic in the center of a room. Yeah. Well, I don't know if any of those other guys actually get out here for, for tapings. The heels will be out here. The heels will be out here for sure. They're the only ones that I know. Other people will come out to the tapings. Well, maybe we'll just do a big gangbang podcast with uh, heels and us. Hopefully if they're in town long enough, yeah. there'll be some time. I want to shout out to the heels. I stole their gimmick this morning and I spiked my coffee at 9 a.m. Man, this show's making (laughs) more and more sense all the time. Like, I wonder why my back hurts when I'm finished with this show from doing all the heavy lifting. It's because Byron takes time off and then he comes in sipping tainted coffee. Casey is off like trying to have a real life and get a real job and this, that, and the other thing. And like last week he was like, doing fun stuff with his dad like he was taking his dad to the movies like so no he, he was fast. taking his dad to the hospital no he wasn't he, he was i thought they were going to, to the, the doctor oh well that makes it different i that i actually feel for a little yeah i thought he said he was going to the movies maybe they went to both maybe it's like hey go get a checkup and uh taking a flick no he took him to the hospital doctor for some sort of thing and i think everything's fine and then he drove back down here. Like he, he wow. did a lot of driving. He lives in he lives in Castig. Yeah, he does not just so you guys know, Casey does not live close. Like the fact that the 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 three of us in any way, shape, or form have actually been able to get together to do this podcast recently is amazing. Anyway, we'll stop taking up your valuable time, people, even though I know you love to hear us talk about nothing. Hopefully all of our rants and interesting things about Lucha Underground, the Lord Big Boss, the EC3 thing in Evolve, the UFC talk, UFC for sale. Hopefully all this stuff has been interesting to you. If it's not, why the hell are you still here after the two-hour mark on this fucking podcast? Oh, you know, it'd be great. EC3 versus Bill DeMott. like our two main event can it be hugh morris again just for that oh what if hmm, no No, i think he has to wear like this the nxt sweatshirt or the or the gotta put over current product we'll see we shall see but quote me on it wins this weekend (laughs) ec3 comes back into the wwe family uh and the big boss is hornswoggle quote me on it (laughs) (laughs) all right people we're out of here until next time stay calm and stay in the mix